Good morning, in progress. members and colleagues. Um, thank you very much for availing yourselves this morning. Um, Anela, could I perhaps begin with the apologies? Uh, good morning, Chair, and good morning to all members. Uh, Chair, we've got an apology from the minister who's attending a cabinet meeting today, as well as an apology from the DG. Thank you very much, Chair. Sorry, Anele, the, the sound on my side was not good. I think my device was connected to something else. Can you just repeat that again, please? Uh, Chair, there's an apology from the Honorable Minister who is attending a cabinet meeting today. We have an apology from the DG uh, who's having a prayer commitments. Thank you very much, Chair. Those are the two apologies that we received. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, I'd like to just check if DM Malamela is on the platform. I don't see him on the platform. And I don't see, I don't know if there's which senior official from the department is here. Uh, the identity chief for university education. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Anela, for that. Good morning, um, honorable members and colleagues. Once again, thank you very much again for availing yourselves this morning. Um, today we'll be receiving a briefing by Walter Sisulu University on um, the question accreditation status of some of their qualifications. I think this is a matter that was brought to our attention um, perhaps over a month ago. Um, and I think there's been a growing interest and concern around this particular matter. Um, it, we did briefly touch on it in our engagements with the CHE, SACWA, and the department during um, our deliberations on their annual performance plans. Um, however, we felt that it was important that um, perhaps we, we get a more detailed um, update from the department um, from uh, the CHE SACWA as well as um, WUSU on, um, on, 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 what's on, on the unfoldings there. I think perhaps for us, what would be of utmost importance is to understand how we got to this point, um, what work is currently being done, and I think even more so the action plan around it, right? So um, to say by when we, we believe um, we should have resolved this particular matter, I think if that would be our goal as, as, as a collective um, in terms of addressing this matter, um, considering that it really affects uh, a number of, of um, not only young people, but those who have gone into um, the higher education space to attain um, knowledge and skills to um, assist them in being active citizens of our economy or participants of our economy and, you know, towards their self-liberation. So it's very important that we are able to resolve these matters. Um, also to ensure that um, we don't have such um, reoccur in the sector um, across the myriad of institutions that we have. So I, I think um, that perhaps would be the interest of members, of course, in their comments and questions, um, they will further elaborate on this particular matter. All right, I see DM Anamela has joined the platform, so I'll just um, check if he's got uh, any 
um, contributions to make. Um, then we'll hand over to the um, the acting DDG of the university program, and then hand over to our colleagues uh, from the institution then to take us through their presentations. Um, DM. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Comrade Whip, uh, um, for um, that. Uh, I just I got your introduction just uh, in the uh, towards the tail end. But just to firstly indicate that, um, uh, yes, we'll have the, the acting DDG presenting uh, uh, a report, but just to indicate that uh, we um, are quite concerned um because uh look our view obviously is that the the um you know issues relating to Wusu uh, have been subjected to quite a process including a legal process and i think we have some commitments from the um university to uh finalize the report and within the next uh uh, short space of time present that report to the Council on Higher Education, which will then report to the uh, department and to the minister. And I think will indicate the process through the uh, presentation by the acting DDG. And I think what we'd really want to employ is, uh, I think, for us to uh, take that into consideration. Um, um, you know, when when we look into the report. But what I would do, like to do right now is. Uh, to hand over to the Action DDG uh, University branch uh, to uh, just brief the committee and then we can take it from there. Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Madam Chair, I just wonder if I can intercede at this stage, um, if you will allow me. Um, Okay, I'll, I'll take your, I don't know, is it a, okay, let's take it, let's take it, Chair. It is a, just a, a point of request with the greatest of respect. Um, the, uh, the reason I'm asking to speak out of sequence uh, is not to undermine the, the committee or the instruction by the uh, uh, Deputy Minister, who is a, a friend of mine. It is simply that uh, I'm personally under some pressure. Uh, I have to be in court at quarter to 10 and I must leave this hotel in the next 10 minutes. And, but I thought given the significance of the meeting, I should come at the commencement as the chairperson of council, um, uh, just to make uh, five minute remarks. My team, the full management is here. They know the detail they will go through. So that's the only re request, uh, but I, I won't speak until you've told me that I'm permitted. Um, <clears throat> thank you very much for that, uh, Chair Council. Um, contrary to popular belief, we are a very considerate um, and understanding committee. Um, <laughs> therefore, uh, we will allow you, I hope uh, DM Manamela, as well as Nam um, Sotrikwa, you'll be okay with that. Um, we will allow you to make your your. Uh, opening remarks as the chair of council, and then um, your team will continue then from there. You may go ahead. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Chair. Um, 
What I wanted to say, I mean, firstly, my name is Tembeka Ngukaitobi. Um, I'm the chairperson of the council of Walter Sasulu University. Um, I, I have been the chairperson now for uh, roughly close to two years. Um, firstly, it's to express our uh, gratitude that the committee is calling this meeting and focusing on our concerns as the university. Um, it would have been worse if we were just ignored uh, and not uh, taken seriously as the university. So we appreciate the gesture. Secondly, we would like to play our role in um, attending to the challenge of accreditation. And thirdly, I just wanted to give an overview from the council's point of view. Uh, management will deal with the substance of the, this issue. I think the starting point for, for, from the council's point of view is the, the current vice chancellor, Professor Rashila Song. Uh, we appointed her um, in December, 2020. November, December 2020, when we finalized her appointment. She commenced the, uh, in the position of vice chancellor in February, 2021. One of the first reports that she gave to council was that it's necessary to, to look, to take a deep dive at the qualifications. Now that was a report she gave right at the onset of her appointment. Um, so we had that general report. She seems then to have gone ahead and done the deep dive. I think her words that she used at the time was to clean up the system uh, to verify what is recognized, what is accredited and what is not to get the system cleaned up. Those efforts were at the commencement um, when there were media inquiries. Um, uh, I think in about October, November, 2021, uh, those efforts of cleaning up the system, checking what is verified and what is not uh, accredited uh, were taking shape. When by uh, February, um, March, 2022, uh, those steps uh, were taking shape. Uh, we then had, well, the university had not council. We, we got all of this information afterwards. Uh, the university then had these media inquiries. Um, in fact, one of the journalists contacted me and uh, I, I sort of laughed off uh, the concern um, because I thought it's very unlikely. And uh, I referred those to management to, to respond to them. And then this issue blew up. Um, initially, the story was 28 qualifications are unaccredited. Later on, it was thousands of qualifications uh, are um, bogus. That's the, that was the uh, story. Obviously, it was a major concern to us as, as council. We, we, we don't like getting involved in the nitty gritty operational matters. Uh, and accreditation is an operational matter, but given its significance, we decided that we would step in. 
we've had since April uh, up until now, we've had extensive engagements. I think we've had four engagements with management, which is quite rare because we usually meet with management once a quarter. But uh, in one month alone, we've had four extensive engagements to get a clear sense of what the problem is, how big the problem is. What we've been able to establish is, firstly, the problem is not as big as it has been uh, outlined. Uh, in other words, we don't have a problem of 28 qualifications or a problem of thousands of qualifications. But nevertheless, the attitude the council has taken is that any program, even a single program that has a qualification question mark is a major problem for us as a university. Why? Because we are a black university, we are already operating with a stereotype that our qualifications are not good enough. So a question mark in one program exacerbates the stereotype and makes people believe that they should not send, parents rather, believe that they should not send their children to Wusu. So we have to stamp out any question mark around our qualification. So that's the message we've given to management quite clearly. Secondly, we've said to management, the priority right now is fix the problem, get the qualifications approved by CHE, by DHET. If it means getting them approved on a retrospective basis, making an application for condonation because certain things were not submitted on time, let those processes be followed. Now we've been monitoring the situation and we've also said, and this is the third point I want to make. We've also said to them, they must keep the public aware because one of the problems we've uh, been having is the public is kept in the dark about A, the nature of the problem, the extent of the problem, and what is being done to solve it. So keep the public aware. From council's point of view, we've done extraordinary things because we've made two extensive communications to the university community and to the public about council meetings. We've had two council full council meetings other than the EXCO council meetings. We've, we had one on the 8th of April, where we spent probably five, six hours on this single topic. And we've had another one on the 28th of, uh, 29th of April, where we, again, we spent an uh, uh, extensive period of time on this topic. And after both of those, we wrote extensive communication to the University Council to tell everybody where they are and to be transparent and to be truthful. It is better for the public to know what the problem is, how big the problem is, than to, to get secondhand, half-baked, sometimes distorted uh, information in the, in the media. So the latest briefing we've received from management is that the matter is largely uh, under control. And they have been given a couple of weeks uh, to make submissions to CHE, and they have made those submissions to CHE, but they are waiting for the feedback from CHE. And where we've, what we've found is that there are five programs that are in issue, five programs, and two of those programs um, were once accredited, 
but there was a problem when they were transitioning um, that the documents were not submitted timely. And we've said, look, we don't necessarily want to know the nitty gritty. We just want to understand the principle that all of these five programs are capable of being uh, fully aligned and fully uh, accredited. Then we've also said that uh, we've got to make sure that the students are kept in the loop. They are told what is happening. Now, the consequences have been that out of the engagements with the students, the graduation of the affected programs, uh, which should have taken place in May, will be shifted to June until there's full clarification about um, whether the CHD and the DHET um, will uh, endorse the request. We've also said that if those requests for condonation uh, are not endorsed, we are hoping that they will be endorsed um, because it's clear that the, the, the problem is more administrative. If they are not endorsed, we've asked management to come with alternative plans about how exactly do we make sure that our students graduate? Because we've said the priority is the interest of the best interest of the students. So in a nutshell, that is where from the perspective of council we are. Uh, we are supposed to wait for a report which will be coming at the time it was four weeks, it's now two weeks, uh, but by the end of May, we should receive a full report from the university management about how far its engagement with CHB and DHET um, has gone. So I wanted to make those opening remarks and to say that I'm personally not going to be around for the rest of the meeting, although I would have loved to. Initially, the meeting was scheduled for tomorrow and I was available for the whole day tomorrow. But the deputy chair of council, uh, Ms. Fanisa Lamula is here. Uh, another member of council who is a member, we've got a special task team that's looking at accreditation in the council. Mr. Vuyani Jakhana uh, is here and he can respond on behalf of the, the council. And with those brief words, uh, Madam Chair and Deputy Minister, I again want to thank you for op opening up the space for parliament for, for Wusu's issue uh, to be ventilated and I uh, wish you all the best and I look forward to further deliberations. Um, thank you. Um, thank you very much, Chair of Council Advocate Murai Tobi for that. We truly appreciate um, that context that the council has given us um, as, as the governing structure of the institution. And, you know, we, we really, as a committee, um, stress the importance of council playing their uh, ongoing oversight role on, on, on management. And um, we appreciate that you have tried to, to have continuous engagements um, with the institution. Of course, members um, will comment on, on, on your remarks at a later stage when you're not with us, but we trust that uh, members... Uh, your colleagues who are here who will remain will um, brief you on those particular deliberations and concerns that will come from what members may share. I think what perhaps we would um, really appreciate is the context you give around, firstly, um, 
the fact that our inst- well, institutions that are considered historically black or historically disadvantaged, um, you know, cannot, uh, let alone any other institution, um, cannot find themselves in a in a position that we currently see at Wusu. But also, I think the importance of keeping the public updated, we, we, we really want to indicate as the committee that we do understand the fact that there is ongoing work around this matter, that um, various stakeholders, the institution, the CHE, uh, the department are doing a lot of work around trying to address this matter. However, um, we have the responsibility as a portfolio committee to also assist citizens and being brought into confidence on on whether or not we are addressing the matters that are of concern to them. And so, um, you know, even this process of just merely coming to the committee and saying, this is why we find ourselves here and this is what we're currently doing um, to update the public is is, is really quintessential um, for us. So um, we really appreciate the fact that um, you yourselves as council see the importance of continuously engaging with citizens. I I will leave it there for now and release you um, Chair of Council, but uh, we do trust that your colleagues will share with you what the other deliberations that will come from members will be. Um, Honorable Litsie, I don't know what this becomes because last week when DG came in after all the presentations, you said it wasn't opening remarks, but it was midway remarks or something like that. So, <laughs> so um, I will have to hand back. To, thank, you, thank you very much, Chair of Council. I'll have to then hand back to colleagues from the department um just to give us also an overall perspective of of the work that they are doing we understand that um there's ongoing work around this and uh, and we and you know we we appreciate that as as the committee but um we would like uh, now for the acting ddg um to 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 come to the platform good morning Honorable members. Yes, my name is Marcia Sotrikwa and um, I'll be presenting an overview as requested to you uh, by your chair. Um, Let me start by saying that this is a a regulatory process um, that we have to see unfold step by step. to ensure that the public uh, believes in the qualifications that we offer. So it is absolutely critical that we allow the CHE process to unfold. Um, And uh, as the department, uh, we have held several meetings uh, with the university, uh, with CHE, with SACWA. Where we are at now, is CHE agreed to assess and ascertain whether the qualifications um, uh, can be accredited and how. So that evaluation process was fast-tracked. CHE agreed to do it within uh, two weeks and so far so good. I do know that Dr. Green, who is here, um, have um, compiled the findings. Um, Once they submit those findings to us, we then uh, 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 look at the PQM process, uh, which is really a clearance uh, process. And then, of course, um, uh, uh, we we will advise um, 
the university uh, accordingly. Um, it, it is really uh, critical, I think, uh, for the for the public to to have confidence that we are we want to assist the students, and uh, they are foremost and uppermost um, uh, in our minds because clearly, when they, uh, once they graduate, they then need to seek jobs. So um, this is where we are at. Um, I, I believe uh, Dr. Green will uh, make a presentation on the uh, six. Uh, programs um, and uh, thereafter uh, indicate to you um, how they will proceed with the um, audit of the um, remaining programs. And uh, we must say we are uh, appreciative to, to the HEQC for approving the above two interventions um, uh, at, in a very uh, limited time um, to assist um, Walter Sisulu University. So, Chair, I, I do not want to go too deep into the technicalities. Uh, Dr. Green will speak to the processes they have uh, uh, embarked upon and how far they are. But um, based on the information I have, uh, they are just about to conclude the um, uh, confirmation or verification of the, um, the six programs that are uh, currently um, uh, seen as um, filled with question marks. And I'll leave it there. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Chair. Thank you very much, Mayor Sotwikwa, um, uh, for, for that uh, brief overview. I'd like to then hand over to colleagues from management of the institution. Walter Susulu University that will be led by the Vice-Chancellor, Prof. Songa, who will then um, do the presentation on behalf of the institution. It's now 9.27. I think the institution was allocated 40 minutes. So um, at, nine, at, 10, at 10 minutes past 10, I would, well, with just five minutes before that, I'd request that um, colleagues start wrapping up. Um, so I'd now like to hand over to Prof. Songa to make the presentation. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, I hope you can hear me. And, uh, all right. And I hope you can see me as well. Uh, good morning, uh, Chair. Good morning, Deputy Chair. And uh, good morning as well to the honorable members. I'm going to try to share my presentation uh, in a minute, if you allow me. Right. May you please uh, confirm that you can see it on your side? We can see the presentation, ma'am. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Chair, I have with me uh, the WSU task team uh, that is working with, with the other university members on resolving these issues. And I hope that you will allow us to tap into your understanding at a later stage so that they can also help me to fill some of the questions that may come through. Chair, I think it is important uh, for the committee to understand or to be reminded about who we are. We are a comprehensive university. 
that resulted from a measure of three institutions, Border Technicon, Eastern Cape Technicon, and the University of Transgar. Unfortunately, the measure was informed, not substance. And this will be clear as we continue with this engagement. And because of that incompleteness, we continue to labor under legacy challenges, such as duplication of offerings, fragmented academic structure, and inequality of staff capacitation. In addition, uh, we are fast spread and emanate from an incomplete measure working in some campuses, uh, working in isolation, and effectively uh, conduct their own business in that way. Regardless, WSU still plays a critical role in the province and internationally, and offers programs and specializations that other Eastern Cape universities uh, do not offer. In addition, many of our programs are renowned, both at national, regional, and international level. For example, we have our Faculty of Health Sciences, uh, which is unique in its offerings. <coughs> we also have the Faculty of Accounting, which services a lot of accounted, uh, chartered accountants nationally in the main, and also internationally and on the continent. We state the above chair just to confirm that our graduates are of high quality and are skilled in their various professions and trade. Chair, as indicated previously, we went into a measure and we're hoping to achieve various things through that measure. For example, we're hoping that our PQM was going to be a product of the consolidation of the PQMs of the major institutions. However, this was undermined by the fact that we did not complete that process. Now, the consequences of that are numerous, but we list a few that we think had an impact of where we are and also informs our vision 2030. One example, our situation was complicated over the previous years by a high turnover. And at some point, we, led, we went into administration. And in the past five years, we have had nine deputy vice chancellors and eight senior directors responsible for quality assurance and academic planning. Moreover, we were faced with numerous challenges as they relate to unique characteristics of a comprehensive university, as it relates to course offerings, our PQMs, and of course, the academic qualifications of our, some of our staff members. For example, as stated previously, we were trying to match or match with universities that were previously technicons. And some of our colleagues in those technicons did not have highest qualifications, such as your master's or PhDs. Our programs were further compounded 
by the 2011 HE2S process, which in itself was complicated and massive, and for which WSU was inadequate because of some of the challenges that I have just mentioned. Incoherent systems and lack of streamlined processes compounded our problems, more so because, like I said, most of our campuses were operating as independent campuses and there was no coherence or a unitary <laughs> campus, although we changed our name into WSU. It has become evident that during this period of instability, very critical quality control processes as they relate to program continuity, accreditation and record keeping were compromised, leaving the current situation where certain of our legacy qualifications as alluded to by the chairperson of council are currently not fully compliant with the three levels of regulatory requirements. Incoherent internal communications because of our, the way we are constituted, systems and administrative processes, mainly due to the federal state and autonomy of our campuses, and the fact that deans were reporting to rectors in those campuses had a negative impact on the academic project and also our business architecture in general. Having said that context, uh, Chair, the question then is, what interventions have we put in place to try to solve those problems? In 2019, a substantive DVC was appointed and immediately began to tackle some of these issues, starting, for example, from streamlining administrative processes, and for example, insisting on deans owning the academic project and reporting on the academic project. Because before then, uh, the view was that everything was co-business. And therefore, we had to change the culture and the thinking and create awareness and impress on our academic managers that the academic project is at the core of our business enterprise. In addition, we began building regulatory documentation in critical offices. We had to develop our policies because the policies that were in place at that point in 2019 were those that were used either before the merger or during the administration. We had also to introduce, and this is very critical, we had to introduce program moratoria. We said, let's wait a little bit and not introduce new programs because we are aware that we, we are just introducing these programs without really stepping back and beginning to look at our PQM uh, very closely. And therefore, this proliferation was ex exacerbated by the fact that we did not even have, let, uh, have sufficient or coherent proper processes and procedures in creating and reworking and terminating programs. So we're faced with those challenges. 
The DBCAR was then inaugurated as VC2021 and was able now to pursue and accelerate some of these interventions. For example, continued to clean up the PQM and instituted a PQM viability initiative to ensure currency, meaning that to ensure that our programs are viable, they are current, and they comply with regulatory bodies and policies. And also to create a strong link with other regulatory uh, bodies outside of the CHE, outside of the DHEAD, and so on. We then embarked, and this was also a primary intervention that we, we accelerated. We embarked upon the validation of data processes, working and, and, and also strengthening our relationships and work very closely with DHEAD, CHE, and SAPA, and other relevant professional regulatory bodies in an attempt really to begin to understand and put our hands around our programs as part because we also appreciated that the academic project is a foundation of building and reimagining our academic project. We also focus on the reinventing of units, meaning that support departments and instituted the program review, accreditation, and enhancement position to further investigate and work with other intermediaries and stakeholders to look to further look at the status of our program as programs as part of this validation process. June 2021, we started in earnest in February 2021 until February 2022, this validation process, and of course in concert with our regulatory bodies. But unfortunately, in the process of that, we're compromised by internal sources leaking inaccurate information to the media, which brought a complex issue now into the general public domain. The media foray has resulted in certain of our, of our qualifications being brought into question. As indicated by our chair of council, three qualifications, namely the advanced diploma in general auditing, the advanced diploma in journalism, and the Bachelor of Science in Zoology have been investigated internally and now have been categorized, were categorized as category C under the HEQSF alignment process. During our investigations, we established that with regard to these three qualifications, uh, we had a SAFAR IDs that indicated the start date of those programs, the end dates of those pro uh, uh, programs, creating a general bona fide belief that those qualifications were regulatory aligned. The remaining two qualifications, the postgraduate diploma in chemical pathology and the elements, did not go through the alignment process, and we discovered this during our data validation process. The current administration became aware of these challenges, as indicated, and in 2022, one uh, started 
uh, to work on them and address them in collaboration with those regulatory bodies. Now I'm going to focus on the five programs and the interventions that we put in place to address the challenges emanating from those programs. First, we have the Advanced Diploma in Internal Auditing and Journalism. WSU offered the BTEC in Journalism and Internal Auditing as part of its accredited offerings through its Butterworth, Queenstown, and Buffalo City campuses. As mentioned previously in my introduction, I did allude to the fact that our programs, unfortunately, are duplicated across our different campuses. As part of the HEQSF alignment process, the above pro programs went through a review and redes redesign to be classified as advanced diplomas. During the course of this process, the, pro the, the changes for the programs in question were initially categorized as category A, which meant that they were considered to have minor issues and therefore were resultantly submitted through the online HEQSM submission platform. A report came uh, from the ACHE indicating that additional improvements were required and the program was then moved to category B. Subsequent to this, a SAPA ID was issued for internal auditing and for journalism. And these two programs, uh, these SAPA IDs were issued in 2017. These programs have been subsequently re-registered on the SAPA and with a 2023 last date of enrollment. During our investigations, it then appeared that in 2018, the programs were recategorized to category C, and thereafter, the relevant documentation was submitted. Based on that submission, the SAPA IDs were then issued to us, and at, with information at our disposal, we continued to offer those qualifications in good faith. It must be noted, Chair and, and, and honorable, honorable members, that given our context, the dynamics underpinning legacy programs, especially for us, is very complex. It lies at the core of our current state as it relates to the alignment process and exacerbated by miscommunication internally and externally. Moreover, these programs are not only entrenched, but they have a value chain that affects students in and out of the system. The subsequent slides that I'm going to share with you indicate the graduation numbers of students in these five programs. Diploma in auditing in 2021, we had 30 students. In 2022, we're standing at 150. 
advanced diploma in journalism in 2021, the student 11 and currently at 18. The next program or the third program that was identified as having legacy issues was the Bachelor of Science Honors in Zoology. WSU offered the Bachelor of Science Honors in Zoology as part of its accredited offerings. And again, as part of the HEQSF alignment process, the bar program went through a review. The changes to the program in question were deemed to be negligible in, in nature and initially categorized as category A and were submitted through the online HEQSF submission platform. It seems that this submission for the reasons yet unknown, was not received as a program, was not received as the program was later reclassified as category B with new recommendations. As a result of this, new corrections were submitted in line with requirements under the reclassified category B. In 2016, the list of category B aligned programs was received from the CAG, and a new SACA ID was allocated to this program. And these programs have been subsequently re-registered on the SACA with a 2023 last date of enrollment. Again, Guanafide, uh, before that, however, it would appear that in 2018, the programs were recategorized really as category C, and the relevant document, uh, documentation was again submitted. Based on our submission and the fact that we had received the SOPA ID, uh, we continued to offer the qualification in good faith. However, it would appear that in 2018, the program was recategorized as category C and the relevant documentation was submitted. Based on our submission again and the SAPA ID, we continue to offer the qualifications in good faith, in good faith. The data relating to the Bachelor of Science in Zoology reveals that in 2019, we have seven students, 2025, in 2021, students have been at seven, and in 2022, at 10. The next, the postgraduate diploma in chemical pathology. Again, a legacy program. Also went through the HUTSL alignment process, like the programs that I mentioned above, and also went through a review. It seems again that this program was not submitted for HEQSF alignment, as we have no records, even after our extensive investigation, we have no records of correspondence during the alignment that might have occurred during the alignment process. However, what we determined was that in 2018, in 2018 and 2022, this program was on our PQM, thereby reinforcing the suggestion 
that this qualification was omitted from the alignment process. In terms of our graduated and graduating students under this program in 2019, we had one in 2020, one in 2020, 21, two, and in 2022, five students. The last batch under the five is the Master of Medicine. WSU offers at master's level in its medicine program. These specializations were initially de delivered through one registered MMED under SAFA ID 87511 with different specializations. Subsequent to that, as part of the HEQSF alignment process, and in line with the prescripts from the HPCSA, separate registrations were required for the MS. WSU submitted a request for the registration of separate MS qualification in line with the alignment processes. It has become apparent that certain specializations were not submitted and as such, were not considered for separate registration. Only nine specializations are therefore separately recognized and the remaining 11 remain attached to the initial generic masters in medicine. WC, however, continues to offer MS with endorsements for the specializations, for example, Master in Medicine, Obstetrics, and Gynecology. Later, a qualifier was added following the HPC, HPSCA accreditation, and the degree was indicated, for example, now, based on those qualifiers that were introduced as Master of Medicine in Obstetrics and Gynecology, as opposed to Masters in Medicine, and in brackets, obstetrics and gynecology. In terms of graduate of our, our students who have graduated or about to graduate in 2020, we're at three, 2021, three, and currently two students. In terms of students who are currently registered, advanced diploma internal auditing, we stand at 125, uh, Advanced Diploma in Journalism 13, Bachelor of Science Honors in Zoology 11, Master of Medicine of, in Obstetrics and Gynecology 14, Postgraduate Diploma in Chemical Pathology 3. Right. Now, the question is, what is the way forward? What is it that we are going to do in terms of one, addressing the, uh, the issues in relation to the five programs, and two, ensuring that we put interventions in place to ensure that matters of this nature do not recur. And by extension, continuing with our data validation exercise, but also building systems around it. First, interventions regarding the five programs, legacy programs. 
First, and Senate endorsed and approved the WSU Multidisciplinary Task Team on Program Reviews and Enhancement, including collaborating and working very closely with all internal staff members and external experts. In addition, we engaged with the regulatory bodies and submitted proposals as required by those regulatory bodies, in particular CHD, and indicated to them how we're going to address the situation whilst ensuring that students are not to be prejudiced. In essence, the CHD advised us to undertake a two-pronged process. The first one relates to the five programs. And what we did in that regard, we submitted all the documentations that was required from us by the CHD. We provided recommendations and we complied with the deadline of the 22nd of April in that regard. And currently, we are waiting for the outcomes of that process. In addition, and in line with what the CHC had required us to do, we undertook an audit of all our qualifications, and we submitted a dossier of the same to the CHC on the 28th, on the 6th of May, my, my apologies, on the 6th of May as required. And we are awaiting outcomes of this process as well. Chair and honorable members, coming to our communication and also ensuring that we manage this as best as we could. Our point of departure was, and it still is, on finding lasting solutions while managing and ensuring that we do not create unnecessary on unnecessary expectations and raise false hopes of our students. However, we continue to put our students in the center of whatever that we are doing. What we did as part of this drive was to collaborate with internal and external stakeholders and began to identify sustainable solutions, put in place concrete and well-thought-out solutions and interventions that we had identified. And we continued to engage with both our internal and external stakeholders. You will note that as part of our submission, we have shared with you some of the statements that we have made in bringing both internal and to a certain extent external communities on ways and interventions that we are currently putting in place to ensure that we address these issues, especially as they relate 
to the five legacy programs. We, we put together a system and a data process whereby we identified the students that were born were affected or registered in these five programs. And we compiled a list of those students. And we are, if we have already not sent personalized information to them, informing them of the interventions that we have put in place, and in essence, sharing with them our status and the processes currently underway. In addition, what we're going to do once we get the outcomes from the CHE and other uh, bodies is also to engage and to write personal letters to our parents and other stakeholders. And we're going to make use of different platforms and begin to engage them on their outcomes and also how going into the future we are putting process in place to ensure that we strengthen the academic project at WS. One of the things that we're also doing currently is working on preparing ourselves for immediate, immediate engagements and the rebranding of this institution in line with our vision 2030. And of course, what we're also doing is we're using Facebook a lot to post updates for the benefit of our students and other external and internal stakeholders. <coughs> Honorable members, The chairperson of council did say that in coming into office under this new administration, we had already identified our own marching orders because one of the reasons was that we are intent on building and reimagining WSU, and once doing so, putting our core business at the center of what we are doing, and therefore strengthening the academic project. At every opportunity, we impress on our staff members and on our state stakeholders the importance of enhancing the academics, the academic project at WSU. Then the question is, what else have we done in this regard? We have embarked upon a sustainable interventions, and we have in place three programs that are currently underway. And these three programs are intended to have long-lasting solutions, but also intended to transfer skills to WSU staff members. The first is the capacity building on regulatory processes for WSU staff, more particularly those involved in restructuring, recalculation, and program design. 
Now, this one is extremely critical. It's one of those that we had identified, although at the initial stage, stage we're not sure of the extent of the program of the problem. Hence, the data value evaluation exercise that we embarked upon. The second initiative currently underway is the development of a documentary flow process to better capacitate our academic learning structures and facilitate compliance with regulatory bodies. Honorable members, I did at the beginning say that over the past five years, we have had about nine senior directors whose main job was to enhance the academic planning at WSU and also put systems in place so that we could monitor our performance and monitor our impact and begin to evaluate all the processes and strategies that we had in place. The third initiative is the development of a document warehouse, on-site and off-site, for historical and current documentation supported by a business process dashboard for quality management. For our quality management, and directorate at WSU. Now, these three initiatives, what we are doing them in collaboration with our external experts. And part of the thinking here, of course, is to ensure that we capacitate our academics, we capacitate our support staff responsible for supporting the, the academic project, but also to ensure that we have sustainable processes in place that will ensure that our academic pro uh, project is where it's supposed to be and we have quality and enhancement systems underpinning our academic project and processes and systems that we use to monitor also that academic project. What else are we doing to rebuild WSU? Some of these interventions are short-term, some are long-term, a medium-term, and some of them will bear fruit maybe after three to four, four to three to five years. However, we have started the process. One of the things that we're going to do in relation to where we are is to institute a fact-finding entry to ascertain the source of the current problems. Here we're saying, yes, well, well, this is what happened, but we need to understand the origins of this problem so that we can begin to have clarity in terms of, for example, whether do we need to reskill our managers or whether we need to look at the qualifications of our managers and other, what other capacity building interventions need to be put in place over and above what we have currently. We're also revamping our units. For example, we have enhanced the position of our academic planner, and we should be advertising that, uh, that position very soon. We went to council and requested a review of our organogram, especially at uh, senior levels. And one of the positions that we are granted 
uh, approval form is the institution of the, the monitoring and evaluation uh, senior director. We also want to monitor and evaluate across the institution our efficiencies and strengthen relationships between our different interdependencies. This is critical, especially in light of the comment that I, that I made that currently we're a federal system and we're hoping and moving towards being a unitary system through our WSU strategic plan, 2030-2020-30. We continue to enhance our relationships with students, especially student leadership, where the programs that we have put in place for our students and our student leadership uh, to ensure that they also not only appreciate the importance of the academic pro project, but also contribute to its enhancement and benefit from it. We have close implementation and monitoring of capacity building initiatives for staff. This is also important. It is something that we, we started in the last two years. Here we have put in place initiatives because members, what we have established is that only 19%, for example, of our staff members have doctoral degrees. We need, therefore, to build capacity. So we have put initiatives in place and policies in place and resources in place to ensure that our staff members obtain their highest qualifications. Because by extension, it means that our research productivity will increase. By extension, it means also that our teaching and learning endeavors will be enhanced. We continue to establish relationships with stakeholders. This is something that we undertook to do and we continue to do building relations with stakeholders and friends of the institution so that we can propel WSU Vision 2030 because we are aware that we have a huge responsibility and we need help to be able to propel Vision 2030 forward because it is bold. It requires of us to conduct our business differently. Therefore, we need friends, we need stakeholders to help us build WSU as a strong academic enterprise underpinned by a, business, by a strong business architecture. Therefore, stakeholder relationships and friends are critical. Currently, we are piloting the change management initiative because we are aware that as we move forward, propelled by Vision 2030, we cannot, it cannot be business as usual, cultures change. Therefore, it is important that we also have change management. We are accelerating the infrastructure projects and implementation of our operational plans. Operational plans are new things that we have introduced, whereby we're saying, yes, we have this vision, but how are we going to ensure that we implement that vision, we monitor that vision? Therefore, we undertook in the past year to develop operational plans because these operational plans 
in in one year we want to leave them to uh, management uh, to hold our management accountable. Therefore, we felt the need to institute operational plans, but also we need to accelerate infrastructure projects, and we're doing an excellent job in that regard. Because you cannot have a, an academic project without it being supported by infrastructure. We're working very closely with professional bodies also to ensure that both our students who have graduated and those who are yet to graduate, especially in those legacy programs that we referred to, are not disadvantaged. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you, and I'll stop here. Thank you very much, Chair, for your indulgence. Thank you very much, Prof. Songa, for that presentation. Um, we will now move on to the second presentation that we have this morning, which is from the, <clears throat> the CHE. Well, okay, perhaps let's take the SRC first. I think we have Mr. B. Mangisa and Ms. A. Sangoni who will make the presentation. Can I check if they're on the platform? Um, yes, Mr. Pimangisa is, is in the meeting. Okay, all right. Um, colleagues, you may continue. It's now 11 minutes past 10. You have 15 minutes, minutes to, to make your presentation. So you may go ahead. Um, all right. Um, Thanks to the honorable members, um, Vice Chancellor, uh, representation for the council and the institution at large, also the parliament. Kamalam Lusabela Menubatan, Awamangi Saifani, I owe my being to the team when the Velasa clan. I'm the ISRC president of Watasasu University. My presentation won't be long. I, I, ho I hope the audible. We can hear you. All right. My presentation won't be long, but it's just to in the background on the involvement of the SRC and what we have done so far, trying to engage the university into finding solutions to the current quandary uh, that we are facing with the university. Um, we, as the SRC, we have seen um, reports coming from relevant uh, media platforms uh, questioning the accreditation statuses of programs that are being offered by Walter Sisul University. Um, we then took it to ourselves to try to engage the university, finding out the authenticity of the allegations that are being done or rather submissions that are being made by these media platforms. Upon, upon meetings with the institutional management, um, where I as the president and the secretary of the SRC attend to represent students, we discovered and confirmed that indeed the university has 
programs that are not accredited or rather it offers programs that have accreditation statuses that have been questioned or in question. And those programs were found to be six, or there were 10 at the time, there were 10, where it was advanced diploma MED in internal medicine, MED in ENT, MED anesthesiology, BSc zoology, postgraduate diploma in LIS, and postgraduate diploma in clinical pathology. As the ISRC, <clears throat> uh, we believe that the university must be having an answer or rather a response as to say, how come that it offers e-programs that are not accredited or rather that have e-accreditation statuses that are being questioned. However, the management at the time, it became quiet as to why were they allowing students to register and eventually graduate in these courses that are not accredited for the past years. Um, to do a background, in February this year, we had a problem whereby students from Ezamuglungisa, Butterworth and Komani could not register for advanced diploma human resource management and advanced diploma public management due to the fact that it was alleged that their sites of offering were not accredited. Um, we then questioned this um, whereby we asked how come that a site is not accredited for a course so these students were asked to register under Buffalo City Campus as a delivery site, but their teaching and learning be conducted at their various sites because their sites are not accredited for these uh, programs. We questioned that, but in a space of a week, they told us that our CHE has resolved. These students can register their courses in their delivery sites as per the normal. That was fine. A week or two after that, it came to our attention as the SRC that the advanced diploma internal auditing, advanced diploma journalism do not have accreditation. As a result, students cannot register in these courses. These programs are merely offered in, in Butterworth campus and Buffalo City campus, where students were told that they cannot register in these courses. Students who had applied prior for advanced diploma internal auditing were forced to go and uh, to, to register with cost management accounting advanced diploma. And students who prior applied for advanced diploma journalism were forced to register with advanced diploma public relations. We then questioned why do we have these courses unaccredited? This, there was no answer to that. However, within a week or two, I remember I was with the Dean of Faculty at the time. There was a line message that came straight from the Deputy Vice Chancellor Academic Affairs and Research telling us that students now are allowed to register back to their courses, which are Advanced Diploma Internal Auditing, Advanced Diploma Journalism. So, which means they must de-register now from cost management accounting, which was an alternative 
and the register from public relations, which was also an alternative for them to get registered and enrolled for the year 2022. We questioned that, that what informs the registration of these students in these courses whereby we were told that these courses are not accredited. But then they told us that hi, it has been resolved and we do not have time. Students must register. Registration is about to conclude. Then it was fine. Students registered. Fast forward now, we came and heard that these students are registered in programs that are not accredited. And these uh, programs had accreditation statuses being questioned. We asked the management in terms of, of what exactly will happen regarding these students, because you understand that as students, these students that are on the pipeline that have been studying these courses, and they are registered in these courses. And we have asked with meetings that what will happen of these students that are currently on the pipeline in these courses? And what will happen of the students that are due to register in May? And what will happen of the students that have already graduated with these programs and have, and have assumed uh, spaces of work in different institutions in the corporate world? One, we were told that the university was having engagements with CHE at the time. I remember it was the 8th of April. They were having engagements with CHE at the time. And this engagement that they had with CHE, there was a custom that was a uh, made that had SRC involved. And I believe we have delegated our Secretary General to be part of the custom. Whereby a response came that these courses are not accredited and that these students who are currently registered with these programs, if we do not find resolution upon these programs, then these students will have to be told by the university that they must deregister. And that the students who are due to graduate in May, they must be told that they are not going to form part of the graduation ceremony of 2022 because they have been registered and they have been starting programs that are not accredited. We've asked the university then that as the student leadership and the, and the representation of students, we cannot allow students to be deregistered and allow them to go back home. And we cannot allow students that, are, that were due to graduate and have made prior uh, preparations for the graduation to be told that you are not going to graduate. I think um, two days or three days or four days after, there was a statement that came from the council reiterating the, the, the submissions that we've made, that there are students who are on the pipeline and there are students who have already graduated with these programs. And there are students who have assumed initiatives outside in the corporate world, stating that the university is busy engaging CHE and other regulatory bodies with these with this programs and qualifications. And that the students, if there is no resolution, the students are going to be told that they must deregister, and students are going to be told 
that they, they are not going to graduate for graduation in May 2022. And then after that, we have had engagement with the student body of the university as the primary stakeholders of the university, as to say, here is the status quo that we find ourselves in. We have students that are on the pipeline in these programs that are facing a threat of being deregistered by the university because they are on programs that are not accredited. The students who are due to graduate in May that are being told that they are not going to graduate because they have been registered on courses that have accreditation programs, accreditation problems, right, sorry. Then we took these issues to the students where we deliberated with students. And the student population of the, of the university made it clear that one, we cannot allow students to be deregistered on problems that are not done by themselves or rather on mistakes that are not done by themselves. These are mistakes that were, were, were committed and considered by the university. And we cannot allow students that are due to graduate in May and made prior preparations for the graduation to be told that they are not going to graduate and be extracted from the graduation list for May 2022. Then the student populace of the university made the submissions that in the process, the university must make an internal investigation of the programs, full package of programs that they are offering because the students were convinced that it is not only the courses that are said to not be accredited that are not accredited. It might happen that there are also some programs that are being offered by the university but as in a value or rather that are being put under the carpet that are not being told and they do not have their accreditation. Also, the students said that we need a forensic investigation regarding, regarding the accreditation and the registration of the programs of the university and that they want the ISRC to be involved in the meetings with the management and the ISRC and the council to give confidence first to the ISRC and give confidence and the students of Walter Sisch University about the whole package of the programs that are being offered by the university. And that the students are not happy with the responses of the management of the university and the management plans in trying to find resolutions in, this, in, the, in the issues of students that are programs and students that have already graduated and the students that are due to graduate in these programs. And the students of Otasis University resolved and going to put hold on the operations of the university until the university finds the resolutions on the programs and finds the resolutions as to say, as the students that are currently enrolled in these programs, here are the resolutions. President, and that's the students of Otasis University said, the graduation 
Yes. We're going to switch off your camera because your network is very unstable. If you can do it on your side. And then, can Anila, can you please make me co-host on this device? And then, um, yeah, maybe consider just switching, turning off your camera just so we can try and hear you better. Then you may continue. All right. Then the students of Fortescue University said, the graduation in May 2022 should not continue and that the university must stop the preparations for the graduation of 2022 on this basis. That we cannot allow that there are students that are going to be taken out from the program and the preparations of the graduation in 2022, whereby they have made preparations for the graduation and that we cannot allow the exclusion of students from the program of graduation in 2022. Considering the fact that if we allow graduation, we are not going to graduate. Those within two demand from the students. The students at this university are saying that there must be a forensic investigation on all this and that there must be of the graduation until the issues are addressed and that the students are not going to class because they do not have confidence on programs that they are doing themselves with the university. President Manisa, I don't know if you're still there. We look, I've been trying to be patient because we understand the challenges that colleagues may have with um, connectivity. Um, I don't seem to see him on the platform. I think we've lost him. Right. So um, we'll, we'll try and continue with, with colleagues from the SRC, perhaps even through questions or at a later stage when he returns, we'll see if he still has perhaps concluding remarks to make. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I see you're back. If you can wrap up uh, by, by half past 10, if you can be done with your presentation, please, President. We lost you there due to connectivity, but if you can wrap up by half past 10, we'd appreciate that. All right, thank you, thank you, Chair. I think I have a problem with my uh, Wi-Fi connectivity here, but I'll try to make it very brief and wrap up my, my submission. It's clear that the students want transparency, as to say, now that you have students that are on the university is saying okay president, president Mangisa by the university and yes president Mangisa, the, the network is really not doing justice to your input um I really think you have 
Um, some really critical um, points to share with us. However, the network is really on our side. What I'd like to suggest is that perhaps you attempt to find a different location. Um, and then what we'll do is when this, just after the CHE presents, we'll check with yourself if there's anything else you'd like to add and, and, and hopefully your network will be better by then. But I, I, I really have been trying to, and I think collectively we've been trying to, to find you um, considering the bad network, but we're struggling. And I really think it, it's going to compromise the contribution that you have to make, which we really would like to, to hear as the committee. So I'd like to suggest that, that you perhaps look for an alternative space that you could uh, work from, and then we'll try you again after the CHE has presented, if that's okay. Um, colleagues, I'd then like to move on to the CHE, but I'd like to, to make, a, a, you know, to highlight something. Um, the presentation from the institution, from WUSU, the one we received, which was a 14-page presentation um, that came together with, a, with, a, with other uh, documents in a zip um, file, um, is not the same presentation you shared now with us. And so we, we are unable to refer back to your presentation in preparation of our engagements with yourself. So can I ask that that um, presentation we sent to the secretariat immediately, the latest and updated presentation, um, the one you just flighted, um, and also indicate to colleagues that if you, in the, in the future when we do engage, please, if you make any, any changes to your presentations, that needs to be, um, the, the latest presentation that you have needs to be shared with the committee. Um, unless there was, I don't know, a breakdown in communication somewhere, but as far as I know, and I've just checked with the Secretariat, we don't have the latest presentation that you've sent. And then um, with regards to the SRC, colleagues, uh, yourselves as well, we ordinarily would request um, that you send a presentation to the committee for the committee to be able to follow the contributions that you, you will make to the committee. So um, we would request that the SRC um, within what's today, today's Wednesday, if the SRC can by Friday, please send a written account of the presentation they've just made. Um, and then I would like to then hand over to colleagues from the CHE. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. Um, I, uh, my name is Tema I'm sure I'm known. And, but I'm accompanied by the CEO of the CHE, uh, Dr. Green, um, and the chairperson of uh, the HQC, Professor Angela Parak, and the chairperson of the accreditation committee, uh, Professor Nick Ruvia. Uh, we just go to the first slide. Chair, um, we, we have um, looked at this uh, with all the agency, you know, that, that, uh, that it deserves. Uh, but also that just to mention that uh, we were in the process of uh, trying to to see how we can navigate this as partners. Um, and also just to say by way of introduction that uh, we do, you know, at times come across uh, such challenges on discrepancies and things like that. Uh, Dental technology diploma is one such example that we're handling uh, pretty much along the same lines. Um, um, we know that uh, the work that we do is underpinned 
by by the Higher Education Act, and and by and large, one of those requirements in this particular instance is uh, accreditation. But you have also requested us to 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 give a, a short presentation on uh, institutional audits. Uh, so we divided the presentation in three parts, and we hope we'll finish within the allotted time. Um, I will do the, the, the contextual introduction and the Walter Sisulu uh, process uh, where we are, the CEO will handle that, and Professor Parek will, will do the last bit on the institutional audit. So the second bullet here pretty much, you know, is about uh, the, the three requirements, you know, uh, and, and, and an institution cannot use one and not the other. Um, and in this particular instance, we had the SACO ID matter, which is the last, uh, uh, the third bullet on, on, the, on the NQF. But uh, the PQM, as we know, is about funding and arrangements and things like that and for the institution. Um, and uh, accreditation is what we do at the CHE. Um, the, the, then if there are professional qualifications, we, we need an arrangement then, approval and endorsement. And this has been a long journey that, uh, that we have embarked on over time. And I think it's, it's fairly seamless now. Um, next slide, uh, with him. Um, just to give uh, the committee just background, really this is a fleeting background because we know because uh, this slide is, is, is loaded. So I'll just quickly go through um, the program input uh, criteria and, and of course the process uh, criteria um, in the different colors, as you can see. Uh, program design, really, which is about uh, looking at the mission of the institution, looking at, uh, you know, all the student uh, and, and all the other matters. How, how is it designed, the intellectual rigor that goes into designing a program and so on and so forth. And the recruitment of students, whether it's about access and all of these things that uh, we know are national imperatives and the admission criteria and the rigor that goes into it to qualify for a certain program. And staffing arrangements, are people well qualified? Uh, do they have academic profiles in terms of research, teaching experience and things like that? And, and of course the teaching strategy, uh, how do you go about them? And assessments, which is about security, you know, and credibility of what we do, you know, as institutions and the infrastructure. Uh, and these criteria cut across all institutions, whether it's public or private. Uh, infrastructure, library resources. I mean, I remember one, you know, many years ago, because I've been involved in this thing from the beginning, uh, one of the private institutions hired a library from India when we were coming for a site visit. And uh, we got too later, it got into the ship and went back to India. But we went back and we didn't find it there. So also postgraduate uh, policies and things like that are governing the rigor that goes with the criteria for program accreditation. And of course, process matters have to do with the coordination of the programs and, and work-based learning, uh, academic development, teaching learning interactions, and all of those kind of things. So it is fairly detailed. We can share that uh, uh, framework with you if you need it, but I'm sure we shared it before. And the next slide is about uh, 
the sub-framework, really, the HPSF. Um, this uh, chair uh, started uh, a while back, and it was the HUKF, as we know it. And um, But institutions need to register this. Uh, it, it needs to appear uh, with all, within all the three sub-frameworks, while the others is not ours, it's for the KCTO and the other emergency, but we are the other. So with the alignment uh, since uh, I think 2013 or so, um, we, we, we introduced the, the HKSF, the sub-framework now, and that was gazetted as such, which is what uh, led to a very massive uh, uh, alignment process uh, of qualifications of 10,131 qualifications at the time. Um, it, it took us quite a bit of time, but uh, uh, the majority of institutions complied. And of course, the way is this is here and there where you have to pick up something and, and get it fixed, you know, for institutions in terms of uh, categorizations. Um, and all of these are on our HUSF uh, online uh, platform, uh, which is available to institutions. It's available, anyone can have a look at it. And we're able to, to communicate that uh, as necessary. Um, and, and all university vice chancellors had received that information way back uh, during the process. We also had engagement in the portfolio committee about the closing uh, of this uh, in December of 2019, I think, uh, and, and the minister before. In fact, we asked for an extension. Uh, next slide. Um, Chair, the, the, how the process worked, um, and, and I think part of the presentations we had before I alluded to this, but, but we looked at three categories. Uh, the first one, it was not much of a problem in terms of uh, structural changes to the curriculum and things like that. And so those were deemed accredited. And B was when there was less than 50%, you know, of the structural changes in the offerings um, that, uh, that we looked at. Um, and institutions had to fix that, and then it was a B, it was not much of an alarm. But category C was if uh, the changes were more than 50%, um, that's where institutions had to, to realign in terms of the criteria that we set then. Um, and I must say that uh, uh, with the category A, it was pretty straightforward because there were not major changes, but with C, uh, certain changes had to be done. And this is where uh, part of the problem that we have uh, here uh, started with the alignment process, as you had before. Um, and and we, 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 of course, we, we did all of these categorizations and submissions uh, and, and they were processed. Um, now, I think by the end of 2015, all classifications that came through were categorized and classified and realigned and, and, and were captured and communicated on our platform. Um, next slide. Um, the data validation project really is a partnership that we had since 2017 with uh, the department and SAGWA to ensure that uh, we communicate one message, you know, uh, so that one entity does not do the other thing and the other, and so on and so forth. So we, we, we started that uh, communication process. And once the 
the, the institution has uh, created a record, um, then we should look at it, confirm it, and look at what the discrepancies are and, and fix it either on the PQM or on the register, or of course with the accreditation as well, uh, where necessary. And feedback was always uh, given to, to institutions to address any anomalies that, that could have arised. And in respect of WSU, um, this process was completed in 2019 and communicated on that date that you see here, November. And the CHA and DHT uh, were working uh, with the institution to address potential anomalies um, uh, that, that uh, have been found. And, and the issue uh, that we're addressing now as I said, uh, is you know has its roots in, in the HKSF alignment process, and 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 of course it is critical that uh, the consolidation as we have it in the data validation project, you know, uh, was concluded. The next slide. Um, the 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 next slide chair will be done by. The CEO, it, it speaks to the heart of uh, what you have asked us to do, uh, including the next one. Thank you. Witi, please go ahead. Thank you very much, Prof. Lucia, and good morning, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, Deputy Minister Manala, Manamela, and Honorable Members. Um, and thank you for the opportunity for the CHE to present on this matter. Um, I'll just put off my uh, video so that you can save on bandwidth. So as Prof. Mosia has indicated, um, the uh, Walter Sasulu University qualifications issues we are dealing with now have their roots in the HEQSF alignment process, which was concluded by 2015 uh, and communications available to all the universities on outcomes uh, in relation to HEQSF alignment uh, at that point in time. Um, the DVP, the data validation project, is picking up on anomalies. It is a project uh, uh, designed to do a sweeping up uh, of what's on offer in the sector to make sure that we have a completely aligned uh, HEQSF qualifications record for each institution that is also uh, aligned with the PQM of the institution uh, and the qualification registration status uh, of the institution. So, uh, and we are picking up anomalies uh, through the system uh, and working with individual universities to attend to those anomalies. Uh, CHE was working with Walter Sisulu to address the issues that have been highlighted. Um, uh, and uh, we had uh, then the leakage uh, to the media uh, and uh, the issue uh, becoming quite public um, uh, and uh, quite, quite uh, big uh, in, 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 in the media. Um, Basically, I think it's important to emphasize at this point that these are all legacy qualifications. Um, they haven't come out of nowhere. The institution has a history of offering them. Uh, 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 prior to the HEQSF, when the HEQF was uh, in place, um, uh, and the issues around uh, uh, non-recognition uh, at this point have arisen as a result of issues that happened during the alignment process. It's also important to understand that any students, that these, these programs could legitimately be offered 
regardless of, regardless of their HEPSF alignment status, they could legitimately be offered up to the end of 2019. So students that were taken in as new enrollments up to 2019 have no issues around completion of these programs and graduation. Even if after 2019, they continued as pipeline students uh, and graduate after 2019. So it's really the students who have been taken into uh, the programs uh, that we are working with that were registered for the first time after 2020 uh, that we uh, 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 need to, to, to be completely responsive to. So of the list of 30 qualifications that appeared uh, in the press, uh, uh, DHET, CHE and SACWA uh, worked together with the institution, looked across all the records and confirmed that uh, of the big list, only six of them uh, uh, of that list uh, had uh, issues uh, related to either accreditation uh, and or a PQM clearance. Uh, and those six qualifications are, are listed uh, uh, on the slide. Uh, the postgraduate diploma in library and information sciences uh, is a program that was not offered since 2019, no new enrollment since 2019. So really doesn't have an issue around status at this point in time. The institution is no longer offering that. But the other five uh, are, are the programs that we've been working with the institution, with DHET and with SACWA to, uh, in, in an effort uh, to assist to find a solution. And, and these two can be broken down into two categories, uh, as uh, Prof. Songka indicated. Two of them, three of them, sorry, were submitted for HEPSF alignment uh, and ended up as category C. Uh, and two of them, the Master of Medicine and the Postgraduate Diploma was not submitted uh, as part of uh, the realignment process. <clears throat> so, so what the CHE did uh, uh, in, in response to this issue is to provide a full briefing to the Higher Education uh, uh, Quality Committee, the HEQC, uh, on uh, the issue uh, 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 and uh, our understanding of the issue based on the evidence. Uh, and the HEQC was able to apply its mind to this issue uh, and pointed to two steps that the CHE should take to assist to resolve this issue. So regarding the five programs, uh, what we would do would be to look at, uh, to undertake a new review of the programs using the methodology that we utilize during the HEQSF alignment process. Uh, and to understand now that we are seven years down the line, these things were reviewed in 2014, 2013, What's the actual status of the programs and the offering at this point in time uh, in relation to HEQSF alignment? And could we come to a different determination around alignment with the HEQSF at this point in time? So that's the one process. Uh, the other process was to conduct a full audit of all the programs that the university is offering um, and to pick up any other anomalies uh, and to uh, work with the institution, to work with uh, DHET and to work with SACWA to address those. So, uh, and this is how the CHE is working in the sector. So balancing our role around uh, holding institutions to account with a role around supporting uh, the sector uh, 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 in, in a kind of solution-oriented fashion so that we uh, collectively work uh, to address challenges uh, uh, that, that have arisen. Both processes are underway, but the first process is, uh, is coming to a conclusion. I'm not going to go in detail through this because I think uh, Prof. Songka has given um, uh, the background around this uh, and the status of the programs. 
Um, just to reiterate that uh, the advanced diploma in internal auditing is a category C program. Uh, and so we shouldn't have had enrollments uh, after 2020, new enrollments. So we did undertake the review. Um, uh, uh, the university has been very cooperative in this regard. We have had all the information submitted that we requested. We have had an evaluator working on this over the last two weeks. We indicated at our first meeting uh, uh, in April that we would try to meet a three-week time frame, understanding the urgency of this issue. Uh, and certainly we are on track uh, to, to, to meet that time frame. Um, the review has happened. Uh, the reviewer has come to conclusions. Uh, and we thought we, we will share these recommendations uh, with the committee in a spirit of transparency and openness, uh, understanding that these are recommendations at this point in time, which must be taken to the HEQC for an HEQC uh, uh, final decision. But they are recommendations that are based on a strong re-evaluation of the program utilizing the HEQSF review methodology and by an evaluator that was part of the process during the HEQSF alignment. Uh, and the conclusion for the advanced diploma in internal auditing in terms of the evaluator recommendation is that we could recategorize this program as a category B program with short-term conditions that pick up on aspects that the evaluator has highlighted as issues that need to be addressed by the institution. Uh, and we put in a time frame of those issues needing to be uh, addressed by 2022, after which we'll confirm that this is a fully HEQSF aligned program, uh, which can continue to be offered. But if the institution does not address it, then uh, by the end of 2022, we'd uh, remove accreditation and a new accreditation application would need to be submitted. The net effect of taking forward a recommendation like this is that the students that have been enrolled in the program after 2020, 2021 and 2022 can graduate because the program will have a status around HEQSF alignment category B. I want to reiterate that there is no pro problem with all students who were enrolled before 2019. Even those that are in the workplace, there's no question, there can't be any question about their status, uh, about their qualification, uh, and so on. It's really the students just to have been enrolled in 2020, 21, uh, and 2022. The same process happened with advanced diploma in journalism. Um, uh, it, it's almost uh, in exactly the same kind of context as the advanced diploma in internal auditing uh, in terms of the history of the HEQSF alignment process. Um, uh, the reviewer has undertaken the exercise and has come to the same conclusion uh, in relation to this one. The advanced, uh, the Bachelor of Science Honours in Zoology uh, is uh, also a category C program uh, as a result of the HEQSF alignment process. Uh, this one had issues that uh, were more related to the nature of the content uh, in the program during the HEQSF alignment process uh, and uh, the overbalance towards ecology versus a bigger focus on zoology. But the evaluator is of the opinion that, uh, and has provided quite a lot of guidance around how content can be reshaped going forward to ensure compliance with the naming uh, uh, formulation of the, of the qualification 
And again, the recommendation is uh, to work with it as a category B program uh, over the year 2022 with the same kind of conditions. So these were the three programs that were submitted uh, during the HQSF alignment process, which ended up as being categorized as category C by the end of 2015, uh, and which we've now re-reviewed uh, seven years after the fact to look at what's the status quo at this point in time. Uh, in relation to the postgraduate diploma in chemical pathology, this program did not come through uh, the review process. Um, uh, so there was no uh, uh, evaluation of the HEQSF alignment process that we could really pick up on because it didn't happen. So basically what the evaluator has been able to do uh, uh, is to look at the program offering as it's been offered at this point in time and to make a determination around HEQSF alignment. So in, in essence, carrying out a new evaluation, a first evaluation of, of this program for HEQSF alignment. Um, and the evaluator recommendation for this one as well is HEQSF category B with uh, some short-term conditions uh, to be uh, addressed. The Master of Medicine in uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology uh, another program that didn't come through the HEQSF alignment program, pro process, uh, not on the PQM, current enrollments, uh, as uh, the VC has indicated. It was part of a generic uh, MED prior to the HEQSF, and all the other qualifications that were separated from the generic and came through the HEQSF alignment process were all categorized uh, as Category A. Um, uh, um, which gives us uh, an indication that if this one had come through at that point in time, it likely, in all likelihood, would have been categorized as well as category A. Having said that, a review of the program was undertaken by the evaluator. Um, and you can see the conclusions of the evaluator there, that uh, the consideration is that there is HEPSF alignment uh, in terms of exit level outcomes, learning strategy, assessment criteria, curriculum and assessment. Um, uh, and that the evaluator recommends the program as being HEQSF category A, uh, regarded as accredited uh, and HEQSF aligned. So, so, so honorable chair, that's the process that the CHE has gone through uh, in relation to these five programs. We will now be taking the comprehensive report of the evaluator uh, and uh, tabling it at an HEQC meeting, which will be convened uh, in the next week. The HEQC will apply its mind uh, to uh, the comprehensive report uh, and then to make determinations uh, on these recommendations. And we will be able to communicate an outcome uh, to the university uh, within the next seven days. We want to reiterate that uh, the process B will still be continuing. We have a parallel process in place with different, a different team looking across all the programs uh, at the institution uh, and looking at alignment with the HEQSF, looking at uh, uh, PQM and looking at a registration status. And if we pick up any other anomalies, we will be working with them in a similar kind of process to what we've just articulated uh, 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 to the uh, committee uh, today. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Let me hand over to Professor Parak 
who will talk to the institutional audit process. Professor Prek, are you there? Sorry, I forgot to unmute myself. I was talking to myself. Um, I'm not sure if you can see me. I don't know whether we can see you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I was just going to say, I was just saying good morning to you, Chair, and to members of the committee. Um, I'm going to be focusing, I'm uh, Professor Porek. I'm the chairperson of the HEQC, member of the, the board of the CHE. Um, Chair, uh, the committee had asked that we also, uh, in our presentation, uh, just update the committee on the second round of institutional audits, which is currently underway of all higher education institutions. So this is just a very brief progress update on the institutional audits. Now, institutional audits has been used by, just by way of background, by the HEQC you know, as a means of carrying out its responsibilities for quality assurance. Um, the first cycle of institutional audits, which if you can just, was undertaken in, in the period 2004 to 2011, uh, 23 public higher education institutions were audited. Some private higher education institutions also volunteered to be audited during that time. Um, and, and that cycle was completed. Uh, then in 2017, 2019, uh, we were requested to undertake a special audit of the University of Zululand. That was done. And then in preparation for the second cycle of institutional audits, in 2018, we undertook two pilot audits to, to, um, to check against the draft framework for the second round of institutional audits. And in this pilot, we had one uh, 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 public and one private higher education institution, the Vol University of Technology and Boston City Campus. And in, in 2021, at last year, we initiated the second cycle of national audits. Um, in the period uh, uh, 2021 and currently 2022, to audit all 26 public universities, and that's been initiated. And then in 2023, uh, we will also audit some private higher education institutions uh, um, as they come up for re-registration. The next uh, slide, please. This, this second cycle of, of institutional audits uh, has four focus areas. The first is to, to uh, area is around the governance, uh, the institution's uh, overall governance, the strategic planning, the management and leadership uh, in support of the core academic functions. And you can see, I'm not gonna go through it, Chair, in the interest of time, the various uh, standards uh, against which we evaluate uh, the, the institutional performance against focus area one. Broadly, you know, to see whether the institution has a, a clearly articulated vision and mission, and how does this vision and mission get translated through the core functions. The second focus area is on the design and implementation of the institutional quality management systems and here we're asking and we're looking at whether the university has a quality assurance system in place uh, and what does it and whether the minimum standards that we would expect 
uh, are being met, whether it has the human and the infrastructure and the financial resources to underpin a comprehensive quality assurance system, whether the institution also uh, is constantly monitoring uh, its performance in relation to quality um, and the proxies, obviously, that are used around throughput rates, completion rates, uh, um, also about the quality of their graduates, et cetera, uh, are things that we are looking at as well. Third focus area, next slide, please, is around the coherence and integration of the institutional quality management system, again, to support the core academic functions. Uh, here, the focus is, you know, is there evidence-based uh, 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 decisions that are taken um, at all times to, to uh, uh, ensure uh, uh, sound quality? Um, what is the, the, the evidence that they have? Are they using this? Are they drawing on this uh, evidence for their decision-making processes? Um, and the last area, next slide, is around the curriculum development, uh, learning and teaching support uh, to promote student success. Uh, does the university, for example, have an effective institutional system for program design, approval, delivery, management, and review? And just to bring it back to Walter Susuru, this is one of the issues that the Vice Chancellor mentioned in her uh, uh, report back, is an issue that they are looking at as well. Um, and then, you know, the student's exposure to teaching and learning across all sites the mode of provision. And this is a particularly important issue uh, around curriculum and development, particularly in the context of, of COVID and the move uh, in the first two years to fully online. And now increasingly uh, universities are adopting a more blended form of engagement uh, in relation to teaching and learning. And then if I move to the next slide, uh, the way in which we will evaluate uh, uh, each institution. It's not whether, you know, yes, you've got a good system or no, you've got a bad system, but we're looking at levels of functionality. Uh, you know, at the extreme end is, is not, uh, an institution that is not functional. There might be areas of serious concern in the institution's quality management system. Um, and, and so, you know, not functional. There might be areas where the institution is functional, but some areas that they need substantial improvement. A third category being functional and a fourth, a mature system. So those are the kind of recommendations and commendations that will come through uh, in the actual reports. Um, then we move to uh, the, uh, the kind of, uh, just a, a, a brief overview of the, the methodology. As we said, we initiated the process in 2021. We um, developed an uh, install audit framework and a manual, which was approved in March. Uh, we then uh, uh, met with the institutions to inform them of the process. Uh, and, and that uh, was quite an extensive process. We've also, and this is important, we've also um, run a number of capacity development workshops. So it's not just saying to the institutions, we're doing an audit and leave it to you uh, to develop your self-evaluation report. But we've also been working with institutions to assist them in, in, in developing the capacity to develop their self-evaluation reports. We've also uh, appointed the audit panels 
um, and uh, they also on the panel, there's always, uh, as you know, we try to ensure that there's one international uh, member of the panel uh, with local uh, 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 people on the panel. Uh, each panel, uh, the members on each panel have no association with the institution that they will be auditing. We've already completed uh, uh, the uh, audit of UNISA, uh, and that's done. We've got uh, 20 site visits that are going to be taking place from May to November this year, and then five site visits that will take place in 2023. If we can move to the next slide, please. This is the, uh, just, of, you know, I'm not going to go through each one of them, but it just gives you an idea of uh, the when the process began for each of the institutions, the when we expect the uh, self-evaluation reports to be submitted, um, then when the site visits are going to be conducted, and when the final reports are to be expected. And in the case of Water Susulu, which is the last one at the bottom, you can see that we initiated the process in, in March uh, last year. Um, at the end of this month, the institution will submit its self-evaluation report. Their uh, site visit is scheduled to take place in August, and uh, by June of next year, we should have their final audit report. Um, so these, you know, uh, so the process is well underway, and I'm pleased to say that the institutions have uh, responded very well to the audit. Uh, and have taken it with the kind of seriousness that we expect it to be given. Uh, the self-evaluation reports have started to come in, um, and we are now uh, working with the site visits. If we can go to the next slide, please. Okay. So the, uh, I've said that the final uh, audit reports for the public high expected between November uh, of this year and, and, and next year. The executive summaries of the audit reports will be placed on the CHE website as part of its accountability function. So there's transparency uh, and uh, anyone wanting to read those summaries has access to it. Uh, the institutions based on the audit findings will then be required to submit improvement plans based on the recommendations in the audit report and a regular reporting on progress with the improvement. So they will tell us what they intend to do, and then they have to give us regular progress reports to demonstrate that they are in fact making those improvements. And then there'll be a final closeout report for the institutions. Uh, I've mentioned that already in relation to the privates. Um, I think that that is it, Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I'm done. Can I check if that's uh, it then from the CHE? Yes, that's that's the presentation from the CHE. Okay, all right. Thank you very much, um, colleagues, uh, Mr. Musia, uh, Mr. Green, um, as well as Miss um, Parikh for your presentations. I'd like to check with the president of the SRC if he has found better location. And perhaps, uh, okay, I don't seem to see him on the platform. All right, and then um, 
just check. I know DM uh, Manamela had sent an apology to say that he will be leaving earlier. I want to check if there's nothing else from the DM side before I open for members to engage. Okay, I think we're fine on that end. All right, honorable members, those are the presentations we've been received from various stakeholders presenting this morning. Um, would like to note hands of those that would like to engage. I see the hand of Honorable Litsie, Honorable Mananiso, Honorable Sibia. Okay, we'll take those hands for now and then we'll come back to Honorable Yabo and then we'll come back to members who will later uh, indicate their interest to engage. Honorable Litsie. Thank you very much, Chair, and uh, thank you for noting me first. In my network, my name is Churagadi Washin. So I'm hoping that uh, it will not begin the problems, at least until I'm done. Uh, good morning to yourselves. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning to the DM, uh, the ministry, uh, team, everybody, including uh, uh, the advisors uh, that side, uh, the DG and the team from the department, uh, CH in Tatemusia, or led by Tatemusia, and who's um, <clears throat> uh, led by the chair who's now in court. Um, good morning to the students as well and everybody else. <clears throat> I think the uh, chair, I'm going to try and run as this. My network really is not uh, our material is unstable now. My network is not really, really good. Um, <clears throat> I hope you can still hear me. So the, the first one is uh, to the university. Maybe a comment first. A comment is that um, uh, this is depressing. Uh, it's depressing to me. I'm not a student. Honorable Lizier, yeah, your network is really working against us. Um, if you could, I, I don't know, but we, we can't hear you. We've lost you. Okay, I'm going to take uh, Honorable Mananiso in the meantime. Honorable Mananiso. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, let me start by actually welcoming the presentations from the university, from the SRC, and as well from Chair. And one would want to thank them for actually giving us the brief background of this particular story. And one would want to actually emphasize on what uh, Honorable Lidzia could have said, that this issue is very depressing. And, uh, you know, it, it is very sad that uh, how does such happen in such an institution? Uh, Chair, I want to commend the VC for taking an initiative to clean up the qualifications and in that process identifying the shortcomings. It gives us confidence that we have good leadership and further edge them to clean up the whole system to make WSU an institution of choice. 
Chair, the VC noted that their situations were complicated by high turnover in critical offices. So I want to check what caused these high turnovers. Uh, and I want to check if students were given necessary support, like your social support, to those who are actually implicated by this particular accreditations. So I want to check for now, what is it that the uh, institution is doing as a social support to the student as they are still waiting for the final process of chair? Uh, has the institution tried to call press conferences without being invited? Because we know this uh, issue is all over. And I want to check with them as they are saying that they have realized that there's some uh, challenges in terms of their lack of communications with regard to this issue. So I want to check if they have tried as an institution to actually make sure that they call press conferences so that they feed the society at large in terms of what is happening as uh, the chairs alluded that they want to be transparent and be truthful in terms of what is the problem. And they have actually uh, realized that the program is, the problem is bigger than what they have envisaged before. So I want to check if they have tried to do that in terms of public awareness with regards to the matter. Uh, on the issue of um, reskilling of staff, uh, can we have a skills audit report in writing by the institution so that we, we, we know who are those who are within the institutions who didn't have actually the requisite of being where they are in terms of their execution of work? Uh, I want to check as well from chair and uh, WSU if there are financial implications with regards to uh, this particular process. Chairperson, again, uh, on the issue of uh, total qualifications offered at WSU, how many qualifications are accredited and how many are not? Uh, according to Section 28.1 of the Higher Education Act, the Senate of a public higher education institution is accountable to the Council for the academic and research functions of the public higher education institutions and must perform such other functions as may be delegated or assigned to it by the council. What are the implications for the Senate in the accreditations of qualifications? What are the implications for the register as well? And Chairperson, uh, my question to Chair again is with regards to, did the Chair do a full audit on all qualifications at the time? If so, what were the findings? If not, why? Uh, again, this one is for the for chair. When will they conclude this process? And what are the implications if qualifications are not confirmed to be unaccredited? What consequence management interventions will be will they implement as chair? And uh, lastly, chairperson, one would want to emphasize that uh, actually these particular allegations must not be taken on a light uh, note because it, it will actually cause the institution a, reputa a reputation and as well as as uh, members of parliament uh, who are actually deployed in this particular uh, PC that, uh, that, you know, we, we don't actually do our 
robust oversight and accountability to this institution. So I want them to actually send to us in writing as the portfolio committee, a clear plan of action with specific timeframes on what is it that they are doing on day-to-day basis with regards to the matter. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Manani. So can I check if Honorable Litsie's network has come all right? Back, yeah. can you hear him that side? <laughs> we can hear you. Thank you. Now, I was saying, uh, Chen, I think Manani uh, so covered it um, a bit that uh, this thing is this depressing because um, you know, there, there are students who are supposed to graduate who are told not are not going to graduate. Their students were allowed to enroll, and I wanted to check um, from the university if they organized uh, counseling for the students, um, uh, if any. Um, and then, uh, who chair was established? The measure was established on the first of July in two thousand and five. That's in less than two months, it will be 17 years since the merger. And the explanation that um, um, these things might have come because uh, of, uh, of the merger, really for me, does not arise that issue because it has been 17 years, Chair. Uh, and and, and um, I know that uh, the, the VC is new there. Uh, but I don't think uh, that explanation should arise uh, that, uh, uh, you know, it's because of the merger and all of that. Now, two questions. Uh, uh, who specifically was supposed to uh, ensure that uh, these courses, their registration uh, with the CHE or their accreditation is finalized who is who are supposed to do that and um, what is it that the university has done to hold those people accountable because this thing you know it has a it has serious financial implications for everybody concerned because there were lecturers who were paid to teach these things uh, clearly, the university paid them. You know, there are financial implications on the side of the university. Uh, are these uh, um, uh, uh, qualifications? Did we have NSFAS funded students on this? And if yes, it means uh, there are again financial implications. Money of the state was used to fund um, these students. Uh, using money of this. So there are financial implications irrespective of how you want to look at it. Now, who um, um, was responsible for not making sure or who was supposed to make sure that uh, uh, the registration is complete and did not do it? And, and has there been any consequence management from the university um, uh, to those people concerned? And what is the status of those uh, consequence, um, uh, consequence management? Uh, Chair, this is not the first time this thing has come to, to light. And I think uh, the Daily Dispatch, if I'm not mistaken, in, 
on the 26th of November 2018, ran an article in 2018, Chair, that uh, nearly 800 uh, Tata based USU students uh, at that time will have to register for the Bachelor of Science degree in uh, prosthetics and uh, orthotics in Deben if they wanted to graduate with an accredited qualification. At the time, the university had uh, 746 students enrolled in the, in, the, in the program. So it's not the first time that uh, you know, uh, this thing comes to, to light. In fact, in the same article, uh, uh, <clears throat> um, the article said, Wusu also failed to get its degrees accredited by CHE since, in, since its inception. Uh, due to late submission of document and missing uh, information on its application. So this is not the first time uh, these things happen. So has there been any consequence management on anybody who uh, was supposed to do this thing and did not uh, uh, do those things, uh, meaning they did not do uh, their work? Uh, and as had a conversation with my can't remember if it was early this year or late last year. They had indicated or they reported to us that the students that were wrongly uh, coded and resulted in defunding of those students. Uh, VC, can you please uh, verify whether the alignment and recoding of qualifications has not affected students' funding by NSVAS? And um, uh, thirdly, what did what what is it that the, the university did before the appointment of the new vice chancellor to address this accreditation status of qualifications? Because clearly, uh, this thing I have just mentioned that um, the Daily Dispatch would have ran an article uh, as far back as I've mentioned, as I've mentioned, and uh, to cancel for higher education. <clears throat> have all institutions in South Africa, all public institutions, maybe not even public, all institutions uh, in South Africa compiled with the re- realignment as per the HEQSF that you mentioned. If not, uh, which yes to their compliance. Uh, and two, uh, may uh, CHE and SACWA, uh, uh, you know, maybe they should uh, uh, present the latest on the, re- on, on the realignment and compliance which, uh, uh, with the HEQSF by all institutions. So, Chair, I'm lobbying yourself and uh, honorable members that maybe we must on our program um, a scheduled a meeting with the CHE and SAQA, uh, where they're going to present a, 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 a full um, presentation on the realignment and compliance which, uh, with their HEQSF uh, thing. And I think uh, uh, maybe also to comment on the comments by the chair of cancer, um, uh, earlier on that uh, this month uh, alone or since uh, uh, the beginning of, of last month 
they've had four council meetings, uh, which extend extensively dealt with uh, um, with this issue. And I think, uh, Chair, you know, in the spirit of of who we are, of uh, being honest, uh, uh, fair, and partial, I think it's important that we we thank the council of uh, of of Husu, uh, for really uh, you know taking uh, the bull by its horn and um, you know doing the extraordinary in uh, convening as many council meetings to deal with this particular issue uh, and. Uh, and maybe if, uh, um, the same uh, should be done uh, in the in the in the university. I know that they said they've got a task team now. Um, maybe if uh, the the terms of reference of that task team on this matter, uh, VC, you could uh, give give us the t- the terms of reference and the time period. Um, um, you know because. Uh, whether we like it or not, uh, lives of people have been affected by this thing. Uh, lives of those students uh, have been affected by this thing. And me to uh, ask, um, you know, I, I heard the chair of council saying they've uh, released two extensive uh, communique to the public and the university community at large. But I think, uh, chair, from where I'm sitting, that is not really been enough and who must then uh, employ on the university uh, to you know to be all over clarifying these things one clarifying that it's not the uh, 26 or 28 uh, programs of qual- or qualifications that are affected it's actually six and one of them uh, is not uh, being offered anymore uh, they must also go out uh, uh, you know, communicate with the public uh, that uh, this is what they've been doing. And uh, those who have been uh, found to have been responsible for this thing, uh, this is one, two, three, four has been done to them. Um, uh, so, so what I'm employing on the university at is that uh, they must have a, a series of media briefs or series of media interviews by both council and the university management. Uh, they must even go to the daily dispatch itself, uh, clarify some of the things uh, uh, because, uh, you know, running away or not entering into that space, you are creating a problem uh, for the university, for the re- reputation of the university itself, but also you are adding to, you know, uh, a fear. You're adding fear to the students who are affected and those who are not affected. The reality is that uh, uh, there are people who generally uh, would just say everything that comes from Husu is bogus. Uh, And therefore, uh, uh, companies might want to associate themselves with graduates, people who graduated uh, in programs that were accredited <clears throat> from Osu. And therefore, you know, this thing has got uh, far more reaching implications if it's not clarified. And then I would like to implore the, the university team led, led by uh, the council and the management to do a series of interviews, clarifying these matters 
to the general public. It's not only the university community uh, that needs to hear this, it's the general public uh, uh, business out there that might uh, want to give uh, economic opportunities to graduates of USU uh, need to hear that indeed it's not all. And even these ones were affected, they were affected from uh, point A to point B. <clears throat> so those who were before point A and uh, after point B uh, are not affected by this thing. So that we, we don't create uh, a serious headache for uh, graduates from Husu. I think Husu Chair is one of uh, uh, reputable institutions. And this thing, uh, um, you know, has affected has negatively affected the reputation of that institution. And it's upon the leaders currently there in both council and management uh, um, uh, who must uh, fix uh, this thing. Thank you very much, Chair. And uh, yes, again, apologies for my network. Thanks. Thank you very much, Honorable Litie. Um Honorable Sibia. Mm, thanks, Chair. Thanks for all presentations. Uh, I, Chair, is bad. And is hurting. Uh, I, I don't know what about those affected students. Uh, and it will be, it will become worse. Because if Uzoama students at those who are affected, Maba graduate. Gapa, the department it can get a graduate. They are both good sex of an alarm attentions. But out of all that, consequence management, I see what in a no yet when you call Ugewa Buya Emyang Why not? Why not? Is it the whole management, and or am I individuals, or lauma individuals, manji and nifuna aenze uguti university yonke, wongu mundu ata this university ay, and abazo se gwalabando anamanji, abebe katebe kumele ba graduate, sebenga sa graduate, bazo se, then it will come to to the position uguti ati umfundi, okay, let me kill myself. But Sifuna Uktola is who is doing all this? Which steps were taken? Magboshwaband. Thank you, Chair. Siabonga Mam Sibia. Um Honorable Yabo. thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Um I think it's the, the trouble with speaking after Honorable Lidzia is that he goes through the whole rundown of issues that one would also like to ventilate on. However, let me greet everyone on the platform, uh, senior leadership of the department, honorable members, yourself, Chair, uh, the ministry, if it's still online, uh, CHE and the institution itself. And on a lighter note, uh, when I saw 
the presentation of the president of the SRC and he kept mentioning the I SRC, I kept asking myself, is this SRC international baggage? And then I realized, no, 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 actually it's the institutional SRC. But that was on a lighter note. Um, I think my comment, Chair, uh, is premised on the fact that we are sitting with this problem uh, that presents itself where there are leaders in an institution. And without sounding too cynical or too much of an armchair critic, I would want to ask a question. Is there a risk mitigation uh, framework for the institution and by the leadership of the institution. And in that risk mitigation framework, a proper analysis of eminent risks that may arise out of situations similar to this one, where qualifications lose their accreditation or they do not meet the standard as required. Is, isn't there a mitigation matrix of risk? And if not, why not? Because I would think when you have a risk mitigation matrix or framework, you are able to foresee what I may call Murphy's law. Anything that could go wrong, going wrong at one time or another, at one juncture or another. And being able to sufficiently prepare for that risk so that it does not arise or when or if it arises, there are measures put into place already preempting such a risk arising. I think it's a, it's a, it's a failure on management's part to prepare for such by having a proper risk assessment for the whole institution. And I would think that perhaps it is as a result of the poorly managed measure, which the institution itself accepts and concedes to, that they, they were unable to manage the measure. And the measure was just in form and not in content. And the presentation that has been made to rectify some of the shortcomings presented by the shortfalls of a measure, a measure in, in form and not in content, need to be speeded up post haste. Because already we are sitting with a situation where poor preparation has been made in relation to the risks that may emanate from running an institution as important as WUSU. But also the fact that it will have dire consequences for those students who would have applied for these courses uh, at the time when there was no question around their accreditation. And now the impact of such uh, uh, a problem is now felt by the students who, in my view, uh, are innocent participants in the whole process. I think someone must take the flag 
and that is my uh, opinion on the matter. Someone needs to take the flag for not being able to preempt a risk. And I think uh, the nature of risks is that you can never really be uh, fully prepared, but you must demonstrate the effort taken to prepare for risks that emanate in the course of doing or uh, carrying out uh, your business as, as mandated by law. And I think we should not have been, uh, we should not find ourselves in this situation. If those who are tasked with executing their responsibilities in this particular uh, line function would have done so, perhaps we should be told whether there is a, a, a risk uh, and usually they would pair it with audit. They would call it risk and audit uh, a department or you would have an executive uh, or a subcommittee of, of council or as part of Senate who would handle risks uh, as part of their day-to-day uh, duties. And I think that's where uh, the, the, the university or the institution would have faltered. And I agree with Mam Spia that there needs to be consequence management in relation to those who would have been given the responsibility and failed to execute on it and raise alarm bells on the process of accrediting these qualifications. And, and this is a, a trend that needs to be backed and uh, uh, stymied so that it doesn't continue moving forward. And I think we should not rest on our laurels, but we should also get uh, uh, updates on the progress being made towards the audit that is now being conducted by the Council for Higher Education. But in the meantime, solutions must be found for these students who are affected adversely by this, uh, by this uh, problem. And we should also get a report on how it is going to be uh, dealt with in the here and now. And uh, without uh, going uh, too deep into uh, my personal criticisms of that this uh, dilemma could have been prevented, let me hold it there, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Yabo. Um, Honorable Boshoff. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, I think actually in most cases, uh, which I had questions, uh, I had been covered by the members, uh, by the fellow members. I just want to uh, make three remarks. The first thing is that my... Uh, experience as a teacher is that when you uh, present schooling or any kind of education you sell trust um, and and when well when you can't sell trust then you have a big problem and it uh, takes a long time to to uh, recover from that and I'm uh, maybe I would uh, ask in that regard just a one question the idea of the rebranding of um, Walter Sisulu uh, University. Uh, what exactly does the idea entail? Would it be a, a new name? Would it be, um, well, whatever. Um, the, the second thing is that, indeed, I think there's nothing as transformative as good education, and uh, that must be recognized also. Now, it seems to me that uh, the quality of the 
qualifications is not the big question, but but the registration status. Uh, one would like to be assured that the quality of um, uh, contents and presentation uh, will, are all above question, and uh, that that the students therefore still get a good education. Uh, if the um, administrative issues could just be addressed. Um, and yeah, maybe we should uh, leave it at that. I just want to ask then the question about what the rebranding would exactly mean. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Boshoff. Uh, Honorable Masati. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning to you, as well as colleagues in the Portfolio Committee, the DM, CHE, as well as uh, Walter Sisulu University leadership and everybody on the platform. Chair, I would want to start with as much as, 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 as members have expressed their views on the issues and one would sound as if she's repeating what, what has already been put before the portfolio committee. But my serious concern around this particular process or the situation that we are seated with has always been around the communication of the university. The fact that we all saw the saga on media, even before the university could communicate, it really raises eyebrows. We do applaud the work that has been done by the new VC because in the presentation, it was quite clear that the article from Daily Dispatch came via, came through after the work that has been done by the university itself to really see to it that accreditation of these programs that are being offered by the institution are properly accredited. Accredited. Now, when the university realized that there was some mischief in relations to these issues. Why didn't the institution be the first to communicate? Because Slalo, anything that comes from a third party, being the media in this instance, questions the credibility of the institution and the moral value of its own leadership. Because had the university did it on their own, even before it went out through the media, we would be speaking something else. Because most probably they would have worked out a strategy in terms of how to mitigate this matter, how to deal with it, and what to communicate. Now, my real concern is when there are issues of this nature that have got so much you know, serious implications, not only to students, but to parents, to those who have graduated. It, it really, you know, it's a, it's a serious concern. And we must instill, you know, insist actually, as Honorability has indicated, that there must be a vigorous communication on progress made so that those who are affected by this particular process their fears are, you know, are dealt, you know, 
alleviated so that we, you know, I'm, I'm seated here. I'm asking myself, a student who has graduated in 2020, who has been employed somewhere else with that particular qualification, what is the status of his or her, en- her own employment at this current point? To those who have actually gone through to do post-grad uh, qualifications with those particular qualifications that are now questionable, what then becomes the status of that particular student in a different institution? So these are some of the worries and concerns over and above issues of financial implications. Here we're dealing with people's lives and people's future, and most probably younger generation for that matter. So it, it is important that the institution really insists, we insist that they, they really communicate as situation progresses. Secondly, Slalo, I want to speak about the measure. The VC speaks said in her presentation that um, when the measure took place, uh, they took into other technical colleges which one, which amongst the two, one is still operating in silo with its own management and it's doing its own business. What does that mean? And how is the institution intending to deal with this particular matter? Now, trying to move forward in terms of what we, what I believe would assist the institution is one, uh, we would, as a portfolio committee, I want to believe we would want to see this issue be dealt with as a matter of yesterday. That not that um, WUSU must be done any favors, but we would want to see CHE expediting the process of um, verifying qualifications and making sure that um, this issue is is dealt with speedily. But when it comes to WUSU, one would want to understand, Chair, what are the, in terms of the six programs uh, that are being questioned, is there any intention at this point in time or are they going to await the verification process to replace these legacy programs so that we, we don't sit with, 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 with the same issue in future? When, when we come to the SRC, the SRC is saying, Chair, to us that, no student must graduate. I want to assume this is meant for purposes of solidarity with other students, but in real terms, what does it mean to a student who would want, whom now, you know, we're closing in an opportunity for them to explore other avenues in as far as um, whether it's work, whether it's studying further and so on. Much as we are saying this matter must be expedited, must be dealt with, I think for those students who might not necessarily be affected by this particular process, they should be allowed to graduate. You know, graduation to a black child, not that WUSI is only accommodating of a black child, but to a black child, to a family, it's, it's, it's bigger than, you know, I don't know what. So them graduating is much more important to 
the students that themselves who are graduating is much more important to the entire family, is important to the entire community. So really, um, you know, not allowing them to really go through that process, it, it will be quite unfair. So I would want to pursue the SRC to consider uh, this particular posture and allow students, those uh, whom are not affected by this particular process, to really graduate. But Chair, we must applaud the, you know, the chairperson of the council in his own words to say, one, they appreciate the work that we are doing at this point in time, bring Wusu before the committee under these circumstances, because this also gives them an opportunity to communicate to the communities to say, this is what is actually happening. And secondly, we must give applause to, you know, the VC themselves, though there are these shortcomings of them communicating, that the process of verification was initiated by the institution itself. We must applaud them for that and we must give them um, what I call encouragement because it is important that we this institution recover from this saga. But for the institution to recover from the saga, there should be consequence management and it must be an issue that is dealt with as, as in like yesterday. So that you give confidence to the students to the community of South Africa. Also, if we don't do that, there will be questions about an institution. Institution will definitely lose in terms of having academic uh, staff who do not want to be associated with that particular institution. You lose in terms of students not wanting to study at that particular university. And the university would definitely suffer a great loss given the challenges that we have in terms of access to higher education. Thank you very much, Clark. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Masati. Um, can I just indicate to President uh, Mangisa um, a, a sincerest apologies. I actually was meant, no, I did actually check if you were around after the CHE, um, however you weren't on the platform. Can I indicate to you that you will be given an opportunity to, um, to, to respond to inputs from members. However, at this point in time, um, opportunity is given to honorable members of the committee to make their comments and, and recommendations and to ask whichever questions they need to ask. I'd like to then... Um, allow Honorable King to speak. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, I was very fortunate enough because, you know, I alerted you also that I would like Wusu before the committee some time ago. But in haste, in order to get um, proper answers, I did meet with the Vice-Chancellor um, beforehand to, the, to get clarity on these issues. Um, and I got clarity. But the main concern that... Um, is so of, of, of um, concern to me is the fact that the qualifications um, in terms of its quality is not in question, but we need to also be mindful of the skills that most of the lecturing staff have. Um, it, it was also concerning that 
the number of doctorates um, at the institution is not at the level required that most other universities have, which actually raised then concern as well as to um, having undergraduate lecturers uh, who then oversee those in postgraduate positions. So the skills audit is very much needed. Also, the way the communication was directed um, in order for the university to save face and also not to tarnish the name of the institution, to not communicate, actually affected um, this escalation in the media and the uncertainty. So we would really like to implore on the institution with haste to make sure that they communicate in the public domain um, on that matter and not just rely on the CHE statement which was released um, regarding this matter. So that's basically Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable King. Honorable members, we must also indicate that um, Honorable Chirwa has been um, uh, appointed or deployed as the uh, alternate member of the EFF to our committee. Honorable Chirwa, welcome to the youngest and uh, most progressive uh, committee in parliament, uh, to the Committee on Higher Education, Science and Innovation. We look forward to uh, working with you um, moving forward. Uh, Honorable Chair, you may go ahead. Oh, thank you very much, Chairperson, and greetings to everyone that's present and, and all the colleagues. Um, I think my questions, uh, you know, are rooted be in the line of wanting to know how this collective responsibility taken by the institution and by the department looks like. Um, because it almost feels like a figment in the sky. We can't really figure it out we can't really put it's not tangible we don't know uh, the extent to which this collective responsibility of taking on the consequence of the situation goes and for me in particular i i don't think it's enough i don't think collective responsibility is enough i we we need to know the names of these people that are responsible who was involved which office was supposed to oversee this process who was supervising who was overseeing and obviously management for lack of foresight and intervention as this was unfolding and now because these are the questions that have not been answered can they be answered and also what the process then is from then onwards on how this issue um will be tackled and how uh, consequences will be taken from then onwards because I, we kind of have this kind of crisis unfolding in, in, in an institution uh, such as Wusu and then nobody taking accountability. And then it's just one meeting after the other, but no tangible um, 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 system of taking accountability and no tangible consequences because then it will keep on happening. There isn't anything that is holding uh, people at ransom to ensure that this does not happen again, besides a commitment. And the probably was a commitment even prior to this. So we can't work with commitments and no tangible consequences um, to situations such as this. And secondly, um, I think we should look more deeper into the issue of, 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 the, of the personal implication this thing has, has had or is having or will have on, on students that are being affected. Um, I would like to know of the interventions um, to, this, to this level or in, in the same breath uh, by the department and the institution um, on, on how the impact on interpersonal and personal lives of students um, that are being affected is going to be um, taken or held, right? Um, is there going to be, because now parents made, many parents made an investment in their children's lives, 
monetary investment. Um, and in as much we're having, we're almost not going into it. But that kind of investment also has interest and in other costs associated to wanting to get that degree. That costs of accommodation, costs of food, costs of daily living, um, costs of textbooks, and all those things associated with getting a qualification in higher education. Um, and then what happens? Who then carries this, 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 this cost um, loss? For the parents in particular, especially noting that their children are not coming back home with something tangible or that their lives are going to be disrupted in one way or another. Um, I think there should be much more investment into this particular aspect. Um, and the department should really just carry this particular situation and the institution as well. So there should be like collective effort in ensuring that it is because now the time cannot be regained that has been lost. I think crying over that will not help us with the current situation. But there can be other means of ensuring that the interest, the, the monetary investment and the interest it should, have, it should have made over the years or the material implication of that at an interest rate because this country has insisted to make education something that is commodified. And even in these instances, we should commodify the cost until we come to a point where such is not the situation for other parents and other students um, that are part of this particular um, situation. But on the issue also of personal um, implication and how this thing has disrupted the lives, like the personal lives, we touch on it. But I think there should be like an in-depth investigation by the department so we can see these people, see their lives, know their names and know how it actually affects them in their interpersonal lives besides it just being like fleeting conversations. Because then I think we'll start having an appreciation um, of, of how this is affecting people's lives on a deeper level, even though we do have it, obviously, because we are portfolio committee members of this, we are members of this portfolio committee and we are public reps and stuff like that. But I think there should be more investment um, into seeking out how this has really, you know, disrupted people's lives and, 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 and the people that are affected by this particular thing. And lastly, um, I want to know from the institution, when did this situation, this crisis that they have, um, come to their attention before it got out into the public domain? Like, when, when, when were you aware that this is the situation that you're having? And how long until then it came to the public domain was that period for? Thank you very much, Chairperson. And, and yes, I feel very welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chirua. Thank you very much, Honorable Members, for all your contributions, comments, recommendations, uh, questions. I think from my side, perhaps uh, I'll focus more extensively towards our um, recommendations as a committee. Um, I, you know, I, I think the committee is well aware of the challenges that may, the legacy challenges that may come with that may have come or have come with the merger of the institution. And um, we understand that uh, Prof Songa, you inherit some of these legacy challenges of the institution. And, um, you know, I think many of us in the responsibilities that we're given, we inherit a lot of the challenges that we um, were not part of. Um, but however, we are um, forced by the, the, the offices that we hold to uh, attempt by our utmost best to turn the tide and to, to change uh, the rea realities of the spaces that we find ourselves in, not for our own benefit, but for 
um, the interest of those that we represent. And I think um, the committee has a full understanding of that. And we, we want to commit ourselves to continuing to support yourselves as the institution, working together with the CHE, working together with the department to try our best uh, as a sector, as a collective, um, to ensure that we meet the mandate of the higher education um, and training sector. Now, um, I think to the core of this, and this is what really is of great frustration to many members who have spoken, is what seems to be a, a leadership, um, firstly, um, incapacity, or, but also instability. Uh, noting the amount of DVCs that we've had in the institution, um, I think right at the beginning of the articulation of the, the, the of management's presentation, speak at length around that, but also considering um, the general governance and management instability that the institution has faced. And this is a crisis that we have across the sector, particularly in historically um, disadvantaged or black institutions. I've, I've been saying to the department that perhaps we must have a, a, a debate um, or a colloquium, some, some form of engagement where we can speak on this issue of whether we refer to these spaces of, as historically disadvantaged or historically black, because I think um, you know, we're always committed to learning as, 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 as uh, participants or members of the sector, right? So, but this is an ongoing trend um, across the sector. And so um, we perhaps noting the interventions that the institution is saying has put in place around capacity building, um, around building or strengthening the documentary flow process, around building a, docu a documentary warehouse. We, we, we acknowledge these interventions. But for us, what becomes of uh, importance is what form does that capacity building look come in, right? So is it a workshop? Is it ongoing? I don't know. What, how does that capacity building look like? It's, it's great that you're saying you're doing capacity building, but in order to bring us into confidence on whether or not that capacity building will um, uh, result in any change, you need to perhaps bring us into confidence on, on how, that, how, take, how that takes place, how frequently it takes place. Um, and, and perhaps there are partners that you're working with in doing that. And where that's, for me, where it becomes important to understand whether, the, whether or not the department is assisting you and supporting you in this. You know, what are your interactions with the CHE? If the CHE is saying you're not meeting particular requirements, um, how does the CHE then assist the institution and ensuring that it adheres to what the CHE would, would, would request from the institution, right? So one would like to understand how that capacity building looks like and how do you monitor those interventions? How do you monitor the outcomes and the progress in relation to your document in, in relation to how you're working towards strengthening your documentary flow process? How do you monitor um, the progress you're making in terms of building and strengthening um, your documentation warehouse? Um, so, so for me, that that really becomes um, quintessential. And of course, when we think of a of a documentation warehouse, we existing in the you know in the year twenty twenty two, we're hoping that this is um, more IT uh, and tech savvy. It's on a cloud somewhere, and we're not still processing our paper. And we have a huge you know, and and this is where I guess physical um, oversight visits would be very important. Um, 
and perhaps as 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 a meeting now we can you know start thinking on whether or not uh, you know it would be viable for us to 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 visit um, the institution not to only look into issues around accreditation but other issues relating to other issues that the institution may be um, uh, uh, you know facing as as challenges but also the strengths of the institution it would also be great for us to see where the institution is doing well. Um, and I think I really want to stress on the issues around uh, documentary, the, the documentary flow process and the documentation warehouse. As, as honorable members say, I mean, if you're saying, for example, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken and colleagues will correct me if I'm wrong, when we speak on the Bachelor of Science um, honors uh, in zoology, we say submission was not received for reasons unknown. When we look at the PG diploma, uh, in chemical pathology, we say it was also not submitted um, for, for HEQSF alignment. I mean, how do we find ourselves in a situation where when we account, we say we don't know why a submission wasn't made and we say submissions weren't made. Why weren't submissions made? And I think for me, it then brings me to, to a question where, um, where, when, where one would want to understand um, who the responsibility then lies with. Where was the challenge? Was the challenge with Wusu not following the correct cha uh, uh, um, channels, not submitting the documentation? Um, because that then speaks to what are we trying to fix, right? So if, if we're saying we're trying to remedy particular challenges in the sector or in, so rather in the institution to avoid this happening in, in the future, we need to understand where exactly the challenge was, who was responsible for that, and how do we make sure that that, that doesn't happen again, putting in place uh, viable mitigation um, systems and measures, right? So, so for me, these interventions that the institution speaks of then directly perhaps well one wants to be brought into confidence on whether or not they respond to those issues around submissions uh, not being received and no one knows why they weren't received um or why they were not uh, submitted right so so that's uh, my my device is saying that my network is unstable so I'll just switch off my camera if that's okay with colleagues. So that's that's for me perhaps um, one matter. And then the SRC, I mean, we acknowledge that uh, the chair of council indicated that you know there has been uh, intents um, or attempts by the the by council to to communicate with with stakeholders, and you know he elaborates on the importance of that. And I think many members have spoken about the anxieties that citizens and, and, and um, you know, those who are parents and students um, may be going through and how communication is really important in terms of that, right? But now, I if the SRC is stressing the fact that there hasn't been sufficient communication, um, I, I want to perhaps also understand that beyond State statements, what else have we done, right? And I, I think somewhere in the slides, I think it was in your new, in, in your updated presentation, you speak on the fact that you are trying to communicate directly with students, communicate directly with their parents. Um, have you attempted any other forms like in measles, like, uh, you know, physical interactions um, that, can, that can alleviate some of the anxieties that um, the affected parties may be experiencing? Um, I think around the review, one perhaps will just move that into, into the recommendations as we close. 
Um, I'm almost done, just, uh, but also I think, you know, when members stress consequence management and members across parties are stressing consequence management, which means it's something that is, um, you know, of, of, of shared importance to members. We must, and I, I don't know, Honorable Litsie, um, I think you were you were speaking to this, the fact that um, in 2018, uh, the fifth parliament, so that's the parliament before us on, on you know, had made an observation um, in the 2018 BRRR report that the CHE staff capacity is not able to cope with the large volumes of applications that need to be assessed and re-accredited. And it, um, that the target to have all higher education existing programs realigned with the revised higher education qualifications sub-framework by December 2019 could have possibly been a bit um, overly ambitious considering the capacity challenges that the CHE was facing. And, you know, given that the committee had cautioned the CHE with regard to, the, you know, these particular targets, um, has the CHE perhaps taken a moment to assess all the submitted, well, has the CHE been able to assess all the submitted programs by institutions for realignment with the HEQSF within the timeframe set by the entity or the due date of, 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 of 2019? Um, so that's perhaps um, something we would like to understand from the CHE. And what we further want to understand is if the delays in the review of the five programs to align them with the revised HEQSF were by the university or by the CHE. And this goes back to my other question around the submissions not being received. Is that on the end of the university not submitting or was the documents or whatever lost in translation uh, between you know, the university and the CHE? Were the CHE not able to capture that considering its, 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 um, its capacity uh, uh, shortcomings, right? So that's again an area where we would like clarity as as members. And then this is at no form uh, or in no way a, a form of a witch hunt. It is just us trying to understand where the challenge is, so that we are able to make uh, recommendations that can assist all of us to be able to fulfill um, the role that we ought to fulfill in changing the lives of South Africans in this country. So also, if the delays by the university. Um, were noted by Senate, and if Senate has done anything, um, you know, as a governance structure in relation to um, the challenges that we're facing around these particular academic programs. Um, and then perhaps if Council could just bring us into confidence on um, the subcommittee, on its subcommittee to play its oversight role in relation to academic uh, issues. Um, and then perhaps also if council could bring us into confidence around the consequence management um, rep measure, sorry, consequence management measures that it considers to take. Of course, I think this is a collective effort between council uh, the department, um, you know, and, and other stakeholders, right? But um, repercussions must be there. And I think that's just something we can't begin to stress enough. Um, and then perhaps also if colleagues, I, I don't know if I missed this, if colleagues could give us the number of students who could be possibly affected in terms of graduation. So then, yeah, if colleagues could give us a number there. Um, 
yeah, I think I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that for now, honourable members and and uh, colleagues. All right, this is where we then hand back to colleagues to make their responses. Perhaps let me start with uh, the institution, um, and then we'll move over to the CHE and then see if colleagues from the department uh, have any responses as well. And then, um, well, actually, perhaps let me begin with the SRC. Sorry, let me begin with the SRC for their responses, um, then to management, um, council, uh, the CHE, and then the department. Um, President, over to you. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I think they have a yeah. uh, Yes, you President. Yes, 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 yes. I think in the presentation I'm sending conclude. I was saying now the demand of students. One is that in the local, the students do not have confidence on the reports that are being done by the CHE in their statements, because even the management itself, when it does present those uh, resolutions that they're having or other solutions to the, to the problem, they do not have confidence in them. Because within, even within the CHE, we believe that within the CHE board, there are people who are consultants with the university that might be working together with the university in, 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 in fabricating these statements, in fabricating all this that, that, that is being said by the CHE, making it the point that students are, are, are being eased off and we understand. Secondary to that, we had said we need a forensic audit for the university. We need an independent assessor for the university. The university responded in a meeting that those, those demands cannot be met. We cannot have an, an external audit outside the CHE to audit the university. And we had said we need a media briefing between the university, the student representation, the council, and these statutory bodies. And we were told that these statutory bodies are not collaborators, and we are not going to get that. Now, within the demands of the students, it's one of the things that is being raised here by the honorable members of the parliament as to say, who is responsible for the issue of consequence management? The students believe because it was also written on the demands of students that were sent to the management of the university. That the same people who are in governance of the university today are the same people who are responsible for the issues that we are facing today in terms of the accreditation. I will read down what was written on the demands of the students. It states as follow. The same vice chancellor who is vice chancellor today was the deputy vice chancellor academic affairs and research in 2019. End of which these issues were there prior to 2019. And when she assumed office as the deputy vice chancellor academic affairs and research, they were there. So in terms of who is responsible or rather who, who is there to answer to this, the answer is still within. 
we know who, know who needs to answer. And the university is the one that has to answer on these matters. So in terms of consequence management, it is there on the demands of students that the university must take responsibility. And the people who are there in office during the time of these issues must be put into accountability. Accountability is one of the, the demands that was given by the students. One, and then one other demand is that there must be alternatives that are being presented to the public and to the students who are affected with this matter. As to say, now that we are waiting for a response that is coming from CHE tomorrow, the 12th of May, if the response does not favor the demands of the students, it does not favor the demands of the parents of the students, what is the university going to do as a contingency plan? These are the demands and the, and the alternatives that were brought by the students as to find resolution that the university must take responsibility of the students that are on the pipeline by registering them on sister universities, making it a point that these students are registered on courses and institutions that are accredited so that these students do not face a threat of going back home, whereas they have registered and, and hoped that after, to, after this year, they are going to be able to graduate on these courses. Secondly, those students who are due to graduate for May 2022, the university must make it a point that those students graduate with other universities that are accredited. It also comes back to the question that was raised by the honorable member of parliament here as to say, what informs that the students say the graduation must stop or else their students who are uh, going to graduate on courses that are not having questions in terms of accreditation. Let me put you into, into light. APA, you have a divide and conquer strategy that is being put into place because the same president that is speaking here and his secretary are going to be graduating. And when we graduate on that graduation day, what will students say and, 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 and what the conscience of the students and the conscience of the president himself and, and other students who are within the SRCs and others when we graduate, knowing that there are students who are due to graduate and who are qualifying to graduate and who did not have mistakes, if you get my point, who did not make the mistake of making their courses not to be unaccredited or questions in terms of accreditation. And it comes and it is informed by the alterations that are made by the university as to say they have confidence in what the CHE is doing in trying to resolve and address the matter. Now, the position of the students was that if the university is confident that the CHE is going to resolve this matter, then the graduation must be put on postponed resolve the matter, bring resolutions as to say, we have resolved the matter, then the students are going to be able to graduate. Then take all those students to graduation. We cannot allow students to be divided going into graduation because now you have students that are crying and saying, how come that when we qualify to graduate, having started the courses that we are doing, we are told that we are not going to graduate. And you have students that are saying, no, I want to graduate because my course is up to standard. And we had said that the university must put us into, into confidence, give us messages in, term, in terms of um, communication via email, student emails, SMSs whatsoever. That my turn is that the local government finance course that you are doing, 
is, is fine in terms of accreditation, then how do we say we are going to graduation knowing that there might be courses that we are doing of which are not there on the public that have lost their accreditation? So I think mine would be that in making the point that I submit and portray thoroughly what has been said by the students. And to, to, to answer the question as to how many students perhaps that are expected to graduate, in, that were expected to graduate now in May 2022 in this graduation that has been postponed, it's 152 students. If to be precise, it's 152 students that are facing a threat of not graduating. If CHE says these courses have lost their accreditation, they are not going to graduate. Therefore, how do we allow a large cohort of students not to graduate? And how do we allow graduation to continue? Whereas you have this large cohort of students that are facing a threat of not graduating. You see? So I believe, I believe that I have served um, the peoples in presenting the issues of students. If there's any other question that might be brought up, I'm available to answer and respond. Over to you, Jen. Thank you very much, uh, President Mangisa. I will then like to hand over to the university management for its responses. Thank you, thank you very much, Chair. I am going to try to respond to most of the questions, but perhaps uh, one or two of my colleagues will come in to handle some of them. The, I'll start with the in no order of priority. I'll start with the question that speaks to the a comment made about some campuses not uh, working in isolation and not being integrated properly into WSU as a unitary university. And it also speaks or leads to the comment made about the major, which was incomplete. Those comments are critical chair, especially in relation to our situation. We have a new vision. Vision 2030. And we have a strategic plan that underpins that vision. In as much as the vision is bold and progressive and wants to take WSU to the next level, it also is reflective in terms of where we are as an institution and what is it that we need to do to propel ourselves forward in a sustainable fashion. Now, part of the goals embedded in that strategic plan speaks to the need for WSU to operate as a unitary institution. 
in as much as the campuses are still going to be retained, but we need to have some level of cohesion where we should ensure that programs, similar programs are found in one campus, for example, so that by extension, we avoid duplication of programs across campuses at times over three campuses or all of the campuses because they contribute to partly to this issue of administrative errors in as far as the alignment process was concerned. In terms of Vision 2030, we are saying that in as much as we return those campuses, let's move towards operating in a unitary fashion. Because also the financial implications of us operating in this fashion are not sustainable. So indeed, we are moving towards that direction. In as much as it's difficult to get there, but at least the process has started. And we're hoping that uh, via our different engagements, uh, we will be able to implement the aspirations or the intentions of that strategic plan, and thereby be able then to be a unitary institution with, with streamlined processes through this initiative called the rationalization and consolidation. Now, given the narratives or given the contestations that surround this initiative, especially the rationalization and consolidation exercise, we really do need friends, we really do need uh, collaborators who assist us so that we can begin, they, they can begin to be our advocates and advocate for it so that we find long-lasting solutions and avoid circumstances such as these that we are faced with currently. So that is uh, the, uh, the comment I would like to make. We do take the comments around communication and suggestions that underpin those comments, we take them. And in as much as when we're sitting, we're thinking we had different views or why perhaps we responded in a manner that we, we, we did respond which turned out to be insufficient, but we, we do appreciate that there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that regard. We need to see how effectively, effectively we can do that, how we enhance uh, the current skill sets that we have in that space that will help us to achieve adequately and that level of communication especially as it is underpinned also or goes hand in hand and love with us trying to usher in vision 2030 and creating awareness around that vision and moving in a certain paradigm, towards a certain paradigm. There have been comments uh, about the need for consequent management. I wouldn't want to go back to the details uh, where I mapped out what it is that we did when we came into office. But suffice to say that 
as we're beginning to examine whatever shortcomings that we're beginning to pick up and moving ahead in also appreciating more uh, other challenges that we had not identified at that point, it is important perhaps to just share with the committee that it is through those interventions that for an example, uh, the previous registrar had to exit the system and one of our senior man uh, managers in the Department of Institutional Research and uh, Partnerships also had to uh, exit the systems. It was part of that consequent management, where management that we were employing as we were, and we continue, if I may so, say so, Chair, to begin to unpack and, and descend and better understand these challenges that we are breaking with. That have been existence in existence for more than 15 years. Again, Chair, if I may continue, uh, we, we, yes, we, 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 this is one of the things that we, we, we are aware of, Chair, in terms of uh, lack or the need, if I may uh, posit it in a, in, a, in a more positive way, the need for us to, to enhance our capacity building programs. You asked, uh, what does that mean? And, and uh, maybe some of my colleagues say, I'm going to come in, but uh, in essence, we, we have different initiatives that, that speak to capacity, capacity building. Uh, for example, we spoke about policies and initiatives and resources that we have put in place to enable our academics to go and research and development leave and, 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 and through that to be able to complete their qualifications. Again, same interventions to ensure that those staff members that uh, have just completed their PhDs, for an example, or even those that have already had PhDs for a while, they have uh, opportunities to go on research and development leave also to, to, to write their articles so that they can contrib contribute to the productivity of the institution, for example. Other, and the last example after that category, uh, what we introduced uh, uh, last year moving into this year is also a, a, an initiative that we call uh, Grow Your Own Timber, whereby we want to encourage uh, students, especially at, at master's and doctoral level, uh, to become or to become part of the academic cohort and while studying, they become, uh, they work very closely with established uh, academics and hopefully that they will uh, also become part of our academic cohort moving forward. So those are some of uh, initiatives that we have and we target our students uh, in that regard. Now you, you spend some time or and wondering whether this documentary warehouse that we want to establish, whether we're going to continue with paper notes, we, we, we are saying we are an impactful technology-infused African university in pursuit of excellence. 
And as part of that strategy, we, we maximize, we have started maximizing the use of technology. And, and we, we are putting in place systems uh, where we, we want to do most of our business via technology. And I must say that even when COVID uh, disrupted us in 2020, because most of the time in COVID we are focused uh, as uh, focused as an institution in ensuring that we save the 2020, uh, 2020 academic year. And part of that process, of course, required us now to focus on putting in place policies to academic uh, uh, to accommodate us in moving towards uh, uh, e-learning in, in, in a blended way uh, in that in that way. So we started the process of being technology infused uh, in, uh, from that uh, time. Other systems where house ICT is is is, is this whole and uh, one of the uh, the members uh, alluded to it that we want a system. We want an a, a, an online system, a technology infused system, whereby we monitor these submissions. For one example, to make an example, we monitor the submissions as received from the accreditation bodies. We are able to capture them online to monitor uh, our our responses online uh, to track. Uh, processes online. Uh, of course, it means we will be on cloud, it goes without saying, uh, and so that we also have this problem where when people leave the system, we are left with nothing, and we start now putting system, uh, especially information in place. Uh, each time we have a new manager, that manager uh, struggles to get information, builds information. When that manager leaves, we go back to square one. So it is through this process that you want to manage also those spaces. You, another, uh, as I go through uh, the questions, Chair, we, yes, we do have a risk, uh, risk register. Uh, and, and yes, we, we, we must admit that uh, as part of this new way of being, we, we have processes and we're looking at putting in place an integrated risk management framework, uh, the, the, the concept of which we submitted uh, to council, uh, and I think the last council, and, and of course we, we are trying also to get uh, assistance where required so that we can enhance our, our risk uh, framework, which includes, of course, uh, compliance and business continuity. And we, we, are, we are busy uh, putting that uh, framework in place because we realize that some of our systems, in as much as they were already there, they need to be enhanced so that we can be effective in, 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 uh, in continuing our business and also introducing some of these systems that we want to put in place in support of the academic uh, project. Moving forward to the other uh, questions that uh, have been uh, have been raised by committee members. Uh, 
as I go through my notes. The postgraduate programs that are part of the five, uh, they do not have NSFAS uh, funding because they, they fall out, outside of the NSFAS funding uh, framework. And perhaps for the benefit of we, uh, uh, we welcome the outcome, the, the presentation made by the CHG, and we look forward to uh, the finalization of this process. And we are ready if uh, the recommendations of the CHG are adopted uh, to quickly move and take care of business and show that our students uh, do uh, graduate and we continue with those who are already on the system. Chair, perhaps as I, I allow my other colleagues to come in and, and continue looking at my notes because I'm taking time as I, I try to browse through uh, my notes as well. Oh, Honorable Boshoff uh, did ask the question about what we mean by rebranding. Uh, is it a new name? And, and the, the answer to that is no, it's not a new name. And uh, this new branding, we want to link it with Vision 2030 and the strategic uh, the strategic ob objectives and goals that are embedded in that uh, uh, in that uh, vision in uh, 2030, which include, like I had said, the rationalization and consolidation exercise, but also of particular importance, which include us moving away from the 12 faculties that we currently have presently, some of which are a duplication, and reducing those uh, to seven faculties spread across our four campuses, like I had uh, um, explained uh, previously. We are working with our colleagues internally and also externally as part of and we are looking at uh, transferring skills whilst we are collaborating with these experts because what we want to achieve, uh, for example, is ensuring that our colleagues internally acquire skills that they, they require, they, 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 uh, they enhance the skills that they have, they require more skills, and it is through these collaborative efforts that we, we, we were hoping that we would achieve this transference of skills so that even though we are doing that now, we know that it's a one-stop thing, we'll have a cohort of, uh, of staff with the requisite skills, of course, not taking away from the fact that we can never have sufficient skills and decide not to continuously uh, renew those skills or because uh, teach, uh, learning is lifelong uh, and therefore you need to reskill continuously. But for now, 
our main occupation or primary occupation is ensuring that we transfer the skills and our colleagues acquire those skills so that they can be effective in the work that they are doing, especially given the fact that it is no longer business as usual to successfully uh, implement the Vision 2030, we need our staff members to have certain skills uh, to be able to do so effectively. Uh, Chair, please indulge me and allow me to ask two, at least two of my colleagues to uh, field other questions while I continue to look at my notes so that I do not waste time because I note that it is 20 to 1 and this meeting has been scheduled until 1 o'clock. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, uh, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee. Uh, speaking is Lulami Nelbazima, the University Registrar. Um, I'll touch only on two questions raised or points made by committee members. The first one is on the clear action plan by WSU dealing with the matter comprehensively raised by Honorable Temo. Yeah. The university has assessed uh, the various aspects that this situation might have in terms of the negative impact to our students in the university image. The student support uh, service is one of the action plan elements to make sure that the affected students are properly uh, counseled immediately and that we settle the regularization of their qualification standard. That is part of the action plan to allow the process of um, uh, healing, if I may put it like that, to allow the process of accepting what has come as an outcome of CAG, which will welcome the early recommendations. That counseling process will immediately start uh, for the university and for this affected group that is currently active in the system so that it is closely monitored its improvement when it comes to their performance currently for the enrolled programs. The, the, the other community that is affected are those that have completed. As part of this action to respond to our affected students who have graduated, is the, what the Vice Chancellor mentioned earlier, targeted communication to those students who have graduated, including their employers, assuring them about the good standing of our graduates, the qualifications they, they, they hold. That will be the targeted communication going to the already graduated students so that we, we finalize the, the recovery or the process of how negatively this thing affected our graduated students already. That will happen immediately we finalize or we receive final recommendation from CHE, of which it is promising to take that direction. The, 
the other action that we have currently undertaken is to communicate directly with our active students as of where we are as a university, uh, as we are regularizing the situation around their qualifications, and we even uh, requested their patience as we are working together with the regulatory bodies to conclude the process. We will continue with that type of targeted communication as we will be rolling out other elements of psycho intervention so that they uh, are strengthened back to their feet as we go forward as a university. Um, I acknowledge the comments made around the university communication strategy handling this situation. I agree with the questions. Members of the portfolio committee, this is a delicate matter. And the university adopted a, at least a carefully type of communication out there about the matter. Because there is a student affected, there's an industry that is waiting anxiously around the, the outcome of the situation. We had to be careful and make sure we work together with the regulatory bodies and at the same time give that independence of the regulatory bodies so that we don't put a pressure and unnecessary and also on the other hand creating um, false hopes that will be overstating even our role as a university. But we tried our best trying to navigate carefully the space how higher education is regulated and making sure that we don't over-communicate and create expectations that in some of the elements we have no full control, but they are fully complemented by independent bodies that are part of governance of higher education. But we take it as a positive comment that immediately after the findings or the outcome, of these qualifications that are under evaluation, we will take a strong communication line trying to bring that confidence uh, on our qualification. We will do that, but we have to wait up until we have a concrete answer so that we don't act carelessly around these matters. I wanted just to touch that, Chairperson, uh, as I will leave it to, but one point I, want, I may emphasize, Chair is around the current project the university is undertaking, rationalization of faculties and consolidation of campuses. Chair, this is a sensitive project that the university is undertaking because it's linked to the incomplete measure processes that will never be completed by previous administration. We are telling carefully because it's about the sustainability of the university. Secondly, it is about building the strong administration of the university. Thirdly, it's about ensuring that the university delivers a strong academic architecture that we continue to pursue the excellence that the university aspires to deliver as we deliver the education. This is a project that we are having and we're currently running so as to make sure we do not have this integration of the university and we work 
as the Unitarian University. And we make sure that confidence of what we do is consolidated. Thank you very much. Chair, I think we have dealt with all the questions. Over to you, thank you. Thank you um, very much, uh, VC and colleagues. There's a Fanisa Al whose hand is up. Can I request that you please write in the chat um, what, what it is that you would request and where you're from? I'm not sure where Fanisa Al is from. All right, and then um, I'd like to then hand over to the Deputy Chair of Council, according to the, the list of uh, attendees or participants that we received, the Deputy Chair of Council should have remained, well, should have been here. Uh, okay, all right, perfect. Deputy Chair, you may come through. Apologies for that. If you can continue to represent the Council and conclude on behalf of the institution. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, Honorable Chair, and good afternoon, Honorable Members and colleagues from Walter Susulu. Um, apologies, uh, I raised my hand before introducing myself, but there were two questions that um, um, the Chair posed to Council as to whether we have got a subcommittee that is giving this matter the necessary attention that it deserves and what are the consequences management that we are considering as council. Just on the first point, um, um, Chair, I can assure the committee that um, council sees this matter in a very serious light and we are giving it all the attention it deserves. From the very first moment, um, it came to the attention even before it hit the media. And um, to give effect, to um, the matter, we actually formulated a special task team um, chaired by the chair of the council himself and some of the council members with the necessary expertise to be able to address some of the areas of improvements that the members have actually raised, including communication and um, being one of them. And um, members of um, the Walter Sisulu administration both um, those that may, new, may be new to the process and those that have got institutional knowledge of how this accreditation matter has come from and what has been done with regard to that. With the sole purpose of making sure that we all put our heads together and address the, the matter for the now and for the future that we don't find ourselves in the same circumstances again. And the SRC, by the way, um, they are also part of that task team that is tasked with driving the resolution of this matter in an amicable way that will not in any way, that will try by all means not to put the innocent students into a negative position that they are not responsible for. And um, we have been working very closely on that committee with management and the relevant um, structures, the CHE, um, to make sure that whatever the decision comes from CHE, we engage on what was considered and how best to find a solution. As it regards to the consequences, um, we acknowledge and we take um, heed of the comments that have been raised on the needs to manage um, um, how this matter has unfolded and uh, do consequence management 
but I just need to indicate that to indicate that at this point in time, a lot of focus has been to find the best solution, especially for the affected stakeholders, be it the current and the former students and their families and the various stakeholders that may have been affected by this, including our sponsors. And to actually get to the root cause and the corrective action of how we correct it, because that will be a best way to inform us on how best or where. And and we don't necessarily want to focus on the blame. I understand there must be consequences, but the focus has been more on finding an amicable solution, especially for the students and getting to the bottom of the root cause. And once we have got all the information, um, I can assure you part of the responsibility of council is to make sure that where things have not been done right, we do correct them and the necessary accountability is put at the right people. So that has not been the upfront, forefront focus right now, but we will get to that point when all the information and all the evidence has been put on the table and how best to go forward. Um, with regard to the um, input that we got for the member from the members, um, much appreciated. And as the VC and the register have already indicated, um, in finding solutions, which we have already started, we will um, endeavor and make sure that uh, we factor in all those, including, um, by the way, the whole issue of an indaba. In actual fact, at our meeting last week, um, that was one of the resolutions that has already been taken to say we do need to make time early in June um, as council and all the stakeholders within the community of Walter Sisulu. They may not be directly affected right now, but in June we do intend to have um, an indaba where we can really go into depth of how we found ourselves here, but most of all, how do we resolve and make sure that never again should we subject our students to such an experience again? So that is definitely on, on, on the CATS chair. And thank you for all the other inputs from the other members. Um, and thanks VC and Register for having attended to those inputs individually. Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much, um, Chair of Council. And thank you very much to colleagues from from the institution at large. Uh, I, if there are questions where members feel that they've not been um, adequately responded to, please do indicate so that we can follow up on those um, through the Secretariat. I would then like to hand over to colleagues from the CHE. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, we, we have, um, um, you know, looked into this matter very carefully. Uh, in the first place, uh, you would know that uh, the CHE is an expert-driven body and, and it comprises all kinds of experts from different fields across the sector and everywhere else. And for that, for that reason, the integrity of the work that we do uh, is, is, is very important. And secondly, the compliance in terms of the legislative prescript and including the allocations uh, of budgets and things like that uh, are something that we have to account for. And, and for that reason, we, we have you know, very rigorous governance arrangements around uh, uh, the work that we do, conflicts of interest and things like that. 
um, if, for example, matters of the University of Pretoria, where I work, are handled, I am not part of that meeting. Uh, and, and I think it's just a, a normal governance principle. So, and, and colleagues will respond to some of the questions uh, that I may miss, but I just want to, to bring back the context of uh, the 2018 statement that you made uh, from the Portfolio Committee on Capacity within the CHE. Um, well, th th that was as a result of multiple factors, really. One of them was funding, um, which has been a problem, and we were complaining to the committee and to the minister and And that has since been resolved, at least in the past year or so. Thanks for your support. And the other part was about the retention of staff, because uh, the CHG is also a training ground for, for some of the people, and, and, and people would just leave because we don't pay them well. Um, not much you can do about it because the cost of employment is also one of those crucial issues, as you know. So, and people would leave and that would create some challenges around. And, but we were, we're always able to handle that because, uh, you know, you engage, you know, different people like retirees and so forth to fill up some of the gap, including the committees of the CHE. So when it comes to, to the question that you pose, and, and I think Honorable uh, Mananiso mentioned that as well about uh, uh, compliance. Uh, the, the alignment process was completed in 2015 and institutions had time to go and, and fix whatever was identified as category C. And, and it is during that time where we had the, an enormous volume of work that needed to, to be handled so that uh, we, we can be able to. And I think we also asked for a bit of an extension um, uh, from, from the minister on that. But the effect is of the matter is that we have uh, completed uh, the process. And, and I said in our presentation, there could be anomalies here and there, but they are not of such a nature that the, the, the integrity of the entire system you know, is compromised. Because we are actually very serious, uh, Chairperson, about uh, the status of our qualifications as a country. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't fluff around, you know, if, if, if institutions don't comply, they need to fix things. We are not draconian, but I know, and you also know, we ended up in court several times with some of the institutions who, who actually wanted to bend uh, some of the criteria, and, and we cannot compromise with things like that. Uh, when it comes to financial implications, for the CHE, we don't have any serious financial implications for this exercise and others like it, because... Uh, we have a database of experts uh, where we can pull from time to time, say this is the nature of the problem, uh, can we handle it? And that is normal, handled in a normal way that uh, we always do with, uh, with challenges that we encounter. So, and in respect of uh, Walters Isulu, um, I mean, you, you will recall that uh, we had um, 
undergone a review process of uh, of certain qualifications, and an LLB uh, was deaccredited, and the institution was asked to fix certain things, and that happened. So, in terms of this university, my experience, um, there's there's quite a lot of cooperation to actually comply where where the institution needs to. And I'm saying this also in history because I chaired an audit there when Professor Balintur was the vice chancellor. I think it's 2011. So, and there were a number of things that uh, we found there, including HR capacity and distributed campuses and all of those things. To be correct, but um, we don't have um, a recalcitrant institution that actually insists on doing the wrong thing. Uh, they, they always cooperate with us and say, well, just fix this, we fix this and we work on it. And this is the exercise that we're undertaking now. And, and without compromising the decision of the HEQC, uh, we have proactively looked into the matter and, and, and looked at ways in which we can expedite uh, and, and get a solution uh, because uh, students obviously are caught in the middle of this. And, and we know all the consequences around anxiety and all of that, as some of the members have, have mentioned. Um, so I think um, I've tried to handle some of that, but if there are other issues, uh, perhaps uh, uh, the CEO and other members uh, with us here can briefly respond to them uh, as, as, uh, as we have a little bit of time. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Prof. Okay, go ahead, Lucy. Thank, thank you, Prof. Monsieur. Uh, maybe just to pick up on the issue of uh, Honorable uh, Mananiso asking about uh, the full program audits uh, and processes around that. So we have taken this two-step process, the one step to handle the five qualifications uh, and the second step around the full program audits. That is underway. Um, it is uh, early to give a prognosis on when exactly that will end. It will depend on um, exactly uh, what uh, is determined through that audit uh, and then what actions we need to take on to work with the institution to address them. But certainly we will be applying the same urgency uh, um, uh, and the same dedication uh, to that process uh, as we have been applying uh, to the process of the five qualifications. Uh, in terms of Honorable Alexia's question on uh, the alignment process, so all institutions, public and private, were required to uh, undergo the HEQSF alignment process, which a prophecia indicated was completed by 2015. We are now in the process of this data validation process, ensuring that what institutions are offering is aligned with the HEQSF record and has PQM clearance and has a valid SACWA registration. And uh, it's there where there may be a few anomalies that Prof. Mosia uh, pointed to that uh, are come up uh, and we will be working with the institutions uh, to address them going forward. At the conclusion of the DVP project, we will have a complete record of HEQSF alignment with PQM alignment uh, and registration alignment. And it is at that point that we will be able uh, to report uh, to uh, the portfolio committee uh, on, on exactly the status around qualifications offerings in the country. Thank you, Chair. 
Um, if I may uh, share through you, uh, Prof. Parekh speaking, uh, just to add to what has already been said by my colleagues from CG, um, again, just to emphasize that the issue that we are dealing with at the moment is our, for students who registered for the first time in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Students who had registered for the qualifications in 2019 and prior to that, and if they pipeline students, they are not impacted at all. Um, and I think that we certainly, uh, through the evaluation, have a way forward that will not prejudice the students. Um, and I'm confident, you know, when the CHE meets, and we are looking to meet uh, uh, this Friday, uh, we will be able then to communicate the outcome to the institution uh, within uh, a very, very short period of time. Uh, so I think that certainly with regard to this particular crisis, I think that we are reasonably confident we have found a solution um, that uh, I think that, you know, uh, that, that is likely to be supported uh, and, you know, uh, will, will be communicated shortly uh, to the institution. Um, the point I also want to make is that the HQC, as part of its work, and the CHU more broadly, does from time to time and will continue because they, you know, they, they will never be a guarantee that there will never be issues from any institution. And all institutions, regardless of how functional the quality assurance systems may be, do encounter uh, issues from time to time. And the, the, the approach of the CHE and HQC has been that when issues are identified, our responsibility is not simply to be punitive, but to work with the institutions to try and arrive at a resolution that uh, is, is a supportive and is, is, is um, supportive in, in way to both students and to the institution, but is also not in conflict with our own systems and processes. So um, I just would like to assure uh, the committee that the regulatory bodies have uh, engaged extensively with the institution. I also want to say to the institution that we appreciate uh, their willingness and cooperation to work with the regulatory bodies to arrive at a swift resolution on the matter. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, um, colleagues from the CHE. Can I check if, uh, I know colleagues from SACWA were invited to this, this meeting. I don't know if they have anything to say, just any commentary if they are on the platform still. Okay, all right. I'd then like to hand over to colleagues from the department. Um, ADDG, Sokriqwa, if you're still on the platform. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, am I audible? Yes, ma'am, you are. Um, yes, I... Firstly, I'd like to express um, extensive appreciation to the CHE for the 
uh, rapid response. Um, you know, they when we met, uh, they agreed. They they agreed they could do this um, assessment within two weeks. They've done that, and I just want to uh, acknowledge uh, their hard work and their commitment because invariably they've put our students first, and I think that should be acknowledged. Um, Professor Masia, you and your team, um, we really salute you for for the rapid response in this particular instance. Reference was made to um, consequence management and certainly we cannot ignore or escape um, that, uh, you know, the students uh, are disappointed. They feel hurt and um, they are let down. And we all know what graduations means for our students. And um, sitting from where I'm sitting, uh, Chair, um, I'd, I'd really like to appeal to the university um, uh, to consider uh, the proposition put by the students that um, they have one graduation for all the students. Um, there is nothing uh, worse or, or more dividing and they're not being able to, to graduate together. And, and lastly, Chair, I'd really like to thank SAKWA uh, they are not present here, but uh, they have also been equally responsive and to the DHEAD team. And I would like to thank you as a portfolio committee. Uh, your interest in this matter only accentuates and amplifies the pace at, me, at which we need to work and um, the commitment that we, sitting where we sit and uh, occupying the positions we occupy, um, the necessity to remain committed um, uh, to the uh, future generation, and that is our students. And so um, I thank you. Um, I think this and the, the, the session throughout this morning was uh, certainly a, a, a public and transparent in its uh, uh, form, um, but I'm sure our students uh, feel that they've been heard, um, and I, I, I wish to thank you for that. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, ACG. Um, thank you very much, colleagues. Mm. It has indeed <clears throat> uh, quite a long morning. Sorry, I'm just trying to reposition my uh, notes. Colleagues, we have come to the end of our engagement, and I really want to thank uh, all of us for availing ourselves for this engagement, um, which is very important to all of us, considering um, the importance of, of uh, the masses of South Africans having access to higher education and training in order for them to gain the requisite skills to be able to participate in the economy, but also change um, their livelihoods in their families and their communities and addressing the, the legacies of the apartheid regime. Um, colleagues, if we were to just perhaps attempt to conclude this afternoon's engagement, I think firstly, we are all concerned Honorable Itzier used a very strong term of saying that, um, in fact, 
what we what we are hearing and the situation that we are finding ourselves um, engaging on this morning or this afternoon is <clears throat> is quite uh, concerning and I mean he uses the word depressing right and um, I think to to take that to that that statement on its own um, as seriously as it is yes indeed when people um, experience the repercussions of the fa- our failures as a sector collectively, their mental health is bound to be affected. And I think I really want to stress uh, Honourable Lizia's plea that we find mechanisms to, to attempt to, to, su- to protect them and, 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 and support the mental health of those affected. And I think, um, you know, of course, we cannot begin to stress that enough. Um, if we were to then move colleagues onto matters around capacity, and I think that's really at the core of of the challenges that we we are having, the committee is gravely concerned um, that it took the university to to perhaps be under this new leadership um, to resolve or attempt to resolve uh, some of these shortcomings in relation to some of the qualifications. Um, and uh, we want to note the efforts put in by the vice chancellor to attempt to clean up um, the accreditation status of uh, the qualifications at the institutions. And we we welcome uh, the stern decisions that you are taking to turn the tide in this regard. And we fully support you. You know, I don't know if it was, I'm not sure which honorable member it was, if it was Litsier or Mananisa, in fact, all of us probably at some point have said this, but when you are attempting to to turn the tide and to make spaces better and um, throw out the rotten apples, you you often are a target and we will not shy away as this committee from the realities of the challenges that women um, in leadership also experience, even in this sector in particular. And um, and so we, we, we... we want to commit ourselves as a portfolio committee to supporting you in any difficult, uncomfortable, unpopular decisions you may have to take in order for you to turn the tide at that institution. Um, and, and, and we will support you and your collective um, as well as the council in, in, in that without any fear or favor. Uh, we can no longer be um, apologetic um, and... Um, Tinina, um, we we need to be resolute on our intent um, as South Africans, as members of the sector, uh, to be unapologetic about what needs to be done to better the sector. And I think this is a a view that we hold in many spaces where we think that um, there's there's this um, poison, you know, like that just doesn't want to leave the space. You know, we see it at Val University of Technology. We see it with NASFAS. We see it in many spaces. And, and we, we really want to support Unizulu. We want to support colleagues who want to try and, and turn the tide. So, so VC, you have our support, the chair of council as well. We have our support in trying to resolve these matters. Um, but we must also note with concern failure by management to preempt these particular risks and to mitigate them. And we would like to be kept updated on the outputs of the various um, 
interventions that you're putting in place uh, to try and remedy um, these challenges from taking place in the future. We also want to stress as a committee um, matters in, in, in relation to consequence management. And I hear colleagues from, <laughs> from the, the CHE saying that, you know, they, they're not um, trying to only note uh, the bad uh, in, in, in colleagues, but also trying to assist by capacitating colleagues and and an end. But what we also, so I guess what, what becomes important is for us to find the balance between that, right? Where where is where are we saying there's space for remedy and remediation? And where are we saying we are no longer recycling you, uh, we're no longer reusing you, we are done with you as an institution and as a sector because we've given you one too many chances to try and uh, and 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 um, rehabilitate you. So I think. Perhaps finding um, that particular balance, of course, is important, um, but we want to, of course, as a committee, stress the importance of consequence management that should be implemented against those who have neglected their fiduciary duties to ensure the programs comply with the um, HEQSF requirements. Then the committee also um, supports the stance by the university to conduct skills audit, a skills audit, and um, we implore on the institution to report to the committee um, once you have concluded that particular work. Um, we implore on the university, the CHE and DHEAD to submit progress to the committee on the matters unfolding um, at the institution in relation to um, accreditation. Um, and of course, so, you know, understanding that there's ongoing work that colleagues are doing, but also really stressing the importance for us to expedite um, resolve on these matters. We also... Um, uh, note um, the outline given on slide 22 by the CHE um, on, on the entire sector. However, I think there may be a need for us to go further on this matter and look into similar matters as such that we are addressing today across the sector at large. And perhaps the CHE, SAKWA and DHET um, need to present to the committee the latest report in the on the HEQSF realignment and the compliance of institutions. Um, and this could also include perhaps a briefing by the department on the assessment of the merger of universities, looking at successes and challenges and outstanding issues that still need to be addressed. And I think that's really um, a, an important one, um, noting that the challenges being faced by this institution may not be unique to USU. Uh, and we also note, uh, I really want to appreciate the update that Prof, um, that uh, Mr. Mosia has given in relation to the funding challenges and you know how it was at some point difficult to retain staff, but bringing us into confidence in the fact that um, on this particular matter, the CHE does have capacity to, to work on those matters. And we look forward to the outputs of, of that capacity that is said to uh, be had by the institution. And on communication, we again stress the importance for communication um and 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 perhaps also um you know note that it was really unfortunate that this type of matter had to be brought to light by media and also that it was leaked it said to have been leaked well misinformation was leaked by those within the institution and that in itself is problematic because it then speaks to who are these people in our institutions that we have that um have the intent of the intent of destabilizing our institutions. It's one thing to say to 
to to to bring to um, maybe if you know an individual in an institution or a collective find that it's important to bring a certain matter um, to the attention of of the public, but it ought to be factual. It's another thing to 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 totally misrepresent what is happening at the institution, um, thus creating instability in the institution, instability that the sector cannot afford, instability that the institution also cannot afford. But we want to then stress the importance, and we, we are grateful that. Um, the, the chair of the deputy chair of council has noted that the institution must consider, you know, a, a, a communication platform such as an Imbizo or an Indaba or something like that. Um, uh, and then um, we also then on graduations, um, we note the comment earlier on by the chair of council, and I hope we, we understood the chair correctly, that there, there has been conversation within council around condemnation to, to, to you know, allow students to graduate. And perhaps here as a sector, we need to see how we find, um, you know, a balance between this urgent need for students to graduate, considering the impact that it then has on their livelihood and the ripple effects thereof. Um, but also um, the importance for the CHE not to lower its accreditation standards, right? So I think for me, what becomes the best sort of solution here is that we need to, as a sector, as stakeholders that are working on this matter, find, resolve and expedite um, work that we're doing in relation to that. And I think this also then speaks to what the SRC is saying. And as a former <laughs> student leader, I fully understand um, the, the, the notion of um, it's either all or none of us, right? Um, how dare we have access to education when our peers don't? Um, how dare we have a place to sleep when our peers don't? How dare we graduate when our peers can't? And uh, and I and I and I fully resonate with that um, appreciation for one's individual existence amongst a collective. Um, at the same time, understanding you know the concerns around the CHE and the quality of of, of qualification that has been coming out of the institution. Um, and I and I think on this one. I, I would, and, and also appreciating what members are raising to say, you know, a graduation is so important in terms of its contribution to the livelihood um, of, of, of students and so of, of young people, of, of citizens generally. And so um, I, this then brings me to my thought, to, to, to memories around when we were student leaders and there was an issue of do we wait for free education or do we raise funds so that in the meantime we can take we're doing something and we're not waiting for you know someone to deliver free education at whichever point of course so, so we continue on the picket lines but we also continue to be proactive to to see how we raise funds and i think this is a a a conversation that needs to be had by stakeholders in the institution um on on how we meet resolve on that um, and it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a matter that needs thorough engagement and deliberation between student leaders, student leaders with their student population. So student leaders also need to hold invisos, indabas, uh, mass meetings to consult with their student population on what they think should be the way forward. But also we really need to implore our management and the SRC to be in constant engagement on this matter um, so that there is a, a common 
a commonly shared uh, a view by, by stakeholders of the institution. And of course, we, we will agree to disagree uh, at various points. Um, I think colleagues then that 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 leads us to to the leads us to the end of of our meeting, um, and of course to really stress to all stakeholders, the CHE, the department, the institution. We know that you 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 are doing work around this, and uh, we would like to be kept updated on the progress of the work that you're doing, um, and really stress the importance for these matters to be expedited. Um, just to also add, I think on the matters around how accreditation of qualifications you know is something we need to look into sectorally one would also want us to perhaps also look into how that affects uh the funding of tuition and 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 the relationship between nasfas and this particular process um as well so honorable members i think that brings us to the end of our of our meeting um and we really hope that we 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 can uh you know um resolve this matter uh, as, as as soon as possible. I think that then brings us brings us to the end. Uh, thank you so much to all of us. Uh, just an announcement to members that um, the, the the report on budget thirty five uh, with the DSI, which we were supposed to adopt this afternoon, we will be adopting it on Friday at eight thirty. We should conclude by nine. Um, before that, even probably by eight forty five. Um, we just thought it would be important, given that we members only received the report yesterday, we felt that it would be important that we allow, we afford members a bit more time to interact with um, the report uh, before we adopt it. So um, that is then it for the day. Thank you so much. This meeting has come to an end. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. President of the SRC, please don't forget to submit your um, your reports. Long live the chair. Long live Mudulas Dulo. Long live Malibongwe. Recording stopped.